What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey Podcast, episode number 95, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am currently getting destroyed by a blizzard outside right now. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he's wearing a Seattle Mariners baseball hat, which makes me dream, think, want summer to be here. Frank, is there a particular reason you're wearing that today? Um, not really. It I know. is coincidental with our guest. I know. I know that's what you're going for. <laughs> and you know what? Because of it, I was going to wear my Seattle Kraken hat just because it would be coincidental with our I... guest. They were playing the Devils when he got famous. So I was actually angry with the Kraken in that little time. So that's why. I was, I was going to wear my Kraken gear, but then I'm like, I've been wearing that a lot lately. And I knew that our good friend guest of the show today is lives in seattle um so i figured i don't have any devil's gear so we gotta change that i want to have somewhat uh how the hell do you not have a devil's anything after being on this show for over a year what the h is wrong i don't think i do like i'm talking anything like i have stuff with nashville in it washington like but they're not nashville items particularly but it's like the blackhawks face the predators in certain games i have a hat where it's like that in the capitals but nothing devil's related I'm gifting you a devil's hat to wear on this show for when we have sick devil's guests, because that's one of the most guests, I would say, just because of the nature of me. But let's bring in our big guest The you might have seen on the Internet over the last couple weeks. One of the single coolest things I have ever seen on the Internet that relates real life to sports. I've never seen anything like it. Maybe it's just because I'm dumb and live in a bubble, but this thing is one of the coolest things I've seen. Last week, the New Jersey Devils were taking on the Seattle Kraken, and right before the game, this picture went viral on Twitter of someone who took an airplane and flew it in the shape of a New Jersey Devils logo and picked up the track, and I don't even know how you would explain it, how it would happen, so who are we going to have better on the show? right now than the (laughs) pilot who manned that aircraft into the shape of a New Jersey Devils logo, Jeremy Katz. He is a pilot and a New Jersey Devils fan from Seattle. Jeremy, how are we doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, It's actually funny because last week, Jeremy, Vinny always asked me, what's my favorite hockey story of the week? And your story was my favorite hockey story of the week because I just found it absolutely fascinating. And, um, I'm glad to have you on the show today. So thank you yeah, again. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jeremy. Oh, how? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Frank, put put up the picture so that people can get a visual of what's going on. And then Jeremy, describe how this happened. You drew a devil's logo with your airplane. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, in, in simple terms, that's exactly what I did. Um, I just went, took a flight and planned everything out so if you then looked at the flight track after 
um, after I got back, it traced out the Devils logo. So that's what I planned to do. And only question was how well was I going to do it? Um, found that out as soon as I got home. So it's interesting because, like, before I get into the whole, you know, Devils logo and ask you a little bit more on that, you're obviously a big plane guy. Your yes. Twitter handle's Airplane Nut three one two. So I know how much you love airplanes. It's like, what? Why do you love them? Like, what got you into it? What's your favorite type of plane? Like, what? What's your whole background with airplanes? So I, I've loved airplanes really since middle school. Uh, fell in love with them. We took a trip to Europe, five flights in three weeks, and it just kind of all came together. Um, and I particularly like commercial aviation, but really anything in the sky that's flying around makes me happy. 747 is even better. So if I can see one of those, you know, that, that will make my day. All I'll do is see one of them, and it's, it's a great day no matter what. But I went to school and am trained as an aerodynamicist. So I worked for as an engineer designing airplanes for Boeing. Um, and while I was in school, I started taking flying lessons, which I think was a pretty natural complement to my interest in aviation. And ever since then, I've just been flying around for fun. And on this particular day, it was, what can I go do that's that's a challenge that brings in another hobby, brings in you know, a slight sporting current event, and, and there you go. Awesome. I understand that airplanes, when they're flying in the air, there's this thing called air traffic. And yeah. you have to make sure that two airplanes aren't crossing over in the same path. That's Very important. That would be incredibly dangerous, obviously. And so when you're going out there for fun, tracing a devil's logo with your airplane in terms of your direction and where you're going, how does air traffic control work with them? Do you have to coordinate that? I mean, how does that work? So in this particular case, there was actually no coordination whatsoever, but there was a lot of planning involved. So if you start looking around the Seattle area, there's a fair amount of terrain that you have to deal with. So as I was scoping out, where can I go and do this? I had to look first, SeaTac owns a lot of the airspace and I can't go into that. So I had to stay out of their way no matter what. Then it was find a place that had enough open, you know, just flat, low terrain that I could get the size of the logo that I wanted in one spot without risking that if I go a little bit off, all of a sudden, you know, the, the mountains are going to start to build up and obviously that's not good. At that point, then I was looking at, of my available options, which ones are more or less likely to have traffic. So I had one option I was originally going to use, eventually decided that because of weather, it wasn't the best choice. And I opted for a different one with the consideration that while it's usually busier, given that it was a blustery, bumpy night, it was raining, it wasn't nice flying weather. I made the the assumption, the hope that there wouldn't be much traffic out there, and I was right. There ended up being no planes that flew through the entire time. So in some sense, there was some luck involved, but at the same time, I was just playing the odds that it was probably going to work out given everything else. And also the fact that I just did it somewhat into the evening, so there's not a lot of training flights going on then. Even a lot of transient flights are starting to slow down. It just it was playing the odds. So obviously, like you said, there's a lot of preparation that goes involved with this. And I was trying to like, when I was telling Vinny about this story last week, 
I was saying it's not as easy as like plugging it into a car GPS and turning right on a certain street because a lot more goes involved. There's no directions when they're in the air. There's no like street signs on where to turn. So how exactly did you like manage to plan it out and map it out and know where to go on like where to turn in the air and stuff like that? Like how, like in, in terms of that, how did you manage to do it? So in, the, the easiest thing that, that's come along in the last decade or so is iPads are now ubiquitous in the cockpit. So it, instead of the old paper charts that really would have made this difficult, if not impossible, now all of my charts are on my iPad and I have a GPS on it. What I ended up doing was I took a transparency, like if you remember back in you know, your elementary school days, you know, same, same kind of thing. I traced the logo on that. Then I taped that over my iPad and I put a couple marks on on my chart within the iPad and I put a couple marks on on the transparency itself so I could line everything up because when I took off, the spot that I was going to to fly this wasn't even on my screen yet. It was too far south. So I, I put all of that together. And then as soon as I took off, I got close enough. I was able to line everything up. And now I know the logo is exactly where I planned on it being, which again is important because maybe a mile or two is in a huge difference, but knowing that the mountains are starting to creep up, if I go a little bit off of where I planned, part of my, my safety buffer was knowing that when I lined everything up, it was all built around, as long as I stay in this area, I'm totally safe. There's nothing for me to hit on the ground. Um, so I, I took off, lined everything up, and I just had a one starting point that was go fly here. And when I fly here, make the first turn and then just keep going. So I do have a track underneath, but that was covered by the trace. So I couldn't really see it. It was much more watching my little airplane logo on the iPad. And as long as it stayed centered under what I was supposed to do, I was generally going to be getting it right. Okay. So you knew what part of the logo you were doing at the time you were doing it, right? Like you'd be, oh, right now I'm doing the tail of the J or, you know, here I'm at the top with the devil horns. Yes. Like, if you think to a commercial flight where you watch your little map move around, I've got the same little airplane going along. Obviously the difference is some of the legs that I was doing were half a mile and at a hundred miles per hour, that goes by pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. Right. Did it take you more than one attempt? No. And, and you don't get a second try because... <laughs> You take off, and then the entire flight is tracked as one line until you land and shut off the airplane. So if you were to screw up anything, if you go back, you're going to see what you messed up first. So there's there's no way to erase like you would with a pencil. Right. What you'd have to do is go land somewhere, turn everything off, and start over from scratch. And you didn't do that. You just no, it was th one this was I, I got in the airplane, went up, did it, went home. That's awesome. I mean, wow. I'm looking at the picture right now. Yeah, I'll pull it back up. I that's just truly. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. The creativity behind it. Like, I, I've, again, I said it when we first brought you on. I've never seen anything like it. Now, I'm assuming being in Seattle and, you know, the devils were in town. Was that predetermined? Like, when did you decide that you were going to do this? Is it a coincidence that the devils were playing the crack? Oh, no, not at all. This? Okay. I started thinking about this when they came back into Seattle last year. They came in April. And just in the back of my mind, it was, can I do something with airplanes that involve the Devils? And I didn't have enough time to really come up with an idea for that game. But my mind started thinking about it 
and I settled. It'll be fun to go and draw the logo. When the schedule came out over the summer, I penciled in, obviously, the date of the game because, of course, I'm going to go. And then I just put a note at the beginning of the week saying, if the weather's nice, go and draw the Devil's logo. And I made that calendar notice email me two months ago, six weeks ago, you know, just progressively so I couldn't forget that it was in mind. Obviously, weather's always a question. I can't plan that until a few days out or even day of to some degree. You know, my, my choice to change where I did it was 10 minutes before I left for the airport. I looked at the weather, decided I had planned multiple locations, but I officially changed it at the very last second. But in terms of scoping out the locations, drawing everything out, where am I going to do it? How? That I've been working on for weeks prior. Okay. Now, was this the first time you've ever done something like this? And also, would you ever do something like this again? It was the first time I ever tried it. And absolutely, there are other things that I will be doing in the future. Could we? Could you share some of those things? Or are those like keeping them down the DL? I think some of them are going to be on the DL. The one that I have publicly stated is as soon as the Devils give me a reason to draw the Stanley Cup, you can expect a much bigger Stanley Cup. Oh, wow. Much bigger. Okay. <laughs> That's actually sick. They this thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm like obsessed with this. I think this is legitimately one of the coolest things. Um, so now I want to ask you. Why the Devils? I live in Chicago, and I'm a Devils fan. Everybody thinks I'm a weirdo. There's an original six team 40 minutes from me. You are from a place that hadn't had an NHL team in 50 years or longer than that. What's going on? How did you become a Devils fan? So I grew up in New Jersey. Okay. Which uh, I grew up um, – I was in the same town from the day I was born until I graduated high school. And I grew up in the 90s, so between – I mean, the Devils, I think, it would have been my team regardless. But the 90s into the early 2000s were a pretty great time to be a Devils fan no matter what. So all the more so, it was just everything worked out. As early as I can remember being a hockey fan, it was always the Devils. I learned to skate at the rink that was at the time their practice rink. Now they have a new one in Prudential Center. Every once in a while, you'd go for a public skate and they'd have a practice. We once walked in on their Christmas party. And then summarily got kicked out when they realized, oh, this isn't supposed to be open to the public. But it's just everything was always devils. And they were incredibly successful for the whole time I was growing up. So it made it fun. But it's New Jersey's team. I was in New Jersey. It, I, I think it's just it's a natural thing. And even with the Kraken now, I'll root for them 80 games a year. I love that the NHL's here. I love that it's bringing up more hockey and more opportunity they're doing a ton of great stuff for the, the community, getting kids involved, adults involved in playing. But at the same time, I've been a Devils fan for my whole life, and that's not about to change. I love that. Uh, Jeremy, I noticed that your Twitter picture is a photo of you and your son. And uh, my nephew. Or your nephew, your nephew. And you're wearing a Danico jersey. Correct. And I saw that you got a picture with Mr. Devil um because of everything that's been going on so how has life been after this whole taking flight well it was a lot more um attention than i expected to get i i threw it up there and i hope someone will see it someone will go and smile you know maybe the devils will pick it up a little bit and you know say hey nice job and then it became interviews for print radio tv i was on the devil's broadcast during the game and I, th this was so much more than I could have possibly expected. 
but at the same time, it's also just been a great response, whether it's from the devil's faithful and just fans from around the league that don't care about the devils at all, but just think it was something neat to do. And if I can make some people happy from it, maybe promote general aviation a little bit as a fun hobby, then you know, I, I really couldn't ask for more than that. When did you realize that this was bigger than you even dreamed of? I mean, your tweet has 215,000 views, uh, thousands of likes. I mean, this thing blew up. Absolutely. And I, I threw up the tweet you know, Wednesday morning. So I, I did it Tuesday night. I, I put it up Wednesday morning. And I then, I was talking to some coworkers. And I said, yeah, you should tag some more people. So I had originally tagged the Devils. And then I added on a whole bunch of the Devils reporters and some of the big Devils accounts. And I went to a meeting for half an hour. And then I got back from that meeting and just saw it going crazy. And at that point, it was kind of clear it was, it was going to take off. No pun intended. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of want to get a few questions on the Devils this season, you, Jeremy. They're sure. hot again. Um, they've been playing pretty well. They've had their ups and downs this year from their long winning streaks to their losing streaks. And now they're back to winning ways again. And you know that like me and Vinny discuss week after week, that happens with some of the best teams in the league, but ultimately are they capable of winning the cup this year or are, you know, are they lacking something? So I, I think it's, it's tough to say because it, it's still a really young group. What I think the best way for me to put it is I don't really have incredible expectations for where they'll go in the playoffs but i see a young core that's going to be around for a very long time and however much success they have whether it's these recent games where they've had a bad period or not even a great game and they've still scraped away a point they've gotten into overtime and then won it a couple games in a row now um i i see that this is a huge learning year for them the the core of this team isn't going anywhere so whether it's learning how to win those games where you're not playing great or you don't win a game, but then you come back and you play well the game after that. If you look at those seasons that in the past that we've had recently, they have one bad game and then it just, it fell for, for games and games after that. And they never really got back to a, to a winning way afterwards. And that's what I see as being so different this year. You've got all these new guys who are just taking huge strides would it be awesome if they won the cup this year? Of course, because who doesn't want to see their team win? But whether it's this year or it's two or three years down the line, I see a real recipe for success right now. So I'm not as worried immediately because I just think the future is so bright. Speaking of bright futures, that game you were at against the Kraken was one of the not I don't want to make it sound like he was terrible, but Jack Hughes didn't have his best game in that game against the Kraken. Correct. And he just and I think the whole team was kind of in a little bit of a lull. It was the end of a long road trip. They were finally they were playing the best team of any team they played on the road trip. The Kraken, in my opinion, uh, the Kings rival them a little bit, but it was close. And it was the end of a road trip. They're probably ready to go home. The legs weren't what we're, we're normally used to seeing from them. But then Jack Hughes is just so good that like he was playing terrible. And all of a sudden he's just like, OK, well, it's time to turn on the Jets. We got to get this thing tied. And he freaking got the puck, came into the offensive zone, dangled around a little bit, did his little thing, and Nico Heischer was the beneficiary in front of the net, got the game tied, forced overtime. What do you make of the silliness that is number 86? 
I mean, he's just incredible. And however well he played in that in the cracking game, look at his pass last night. Uh, that was I didn't even realize it when it first happened. And they start showing the replays and you realize that wasn't an amazing man. That was just absolutely an incredible pass. But just watching him blossom into the superstar. And when you have the first overall pick and you're wondering how's it gonna work out. And you know, he started out a little bit undersized, you know, wasn't just showing magic all the time like the Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews, who just tore up the league the second they came in. But all of a sudden, he's you know, he's being talked about for the heart, and he's just putting up points night after night. He's not doing it the easy way, but he's making exceptional plays day in and day out. So, you're yeah, fine. Maybe against Seattle, he'd have a great game. But just like the other guys, he had one bad game, and he turned it right around. Yeah, you know, we, we talk about Jack Hughes and how good he is and Nico Heeshear, but a lot of people kind of shy away from talking about Jesper Brad a lot, which I think he's one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle on this devil's team. And I told Vinny, if he goes down with an injury that could very hurt, well hurt the devils in a big, big way. I think he's one of the biggest pieces on this team right now. So what's your take on uh, Jesper Brett? So, I mean, he's incredible. He's so much fun to watch. And I think you're right that all of these guys play huge roles, but it doesn't have to be the, the flashy guys because think about how, what happened when Nate Bastion went out. You know, arguably, he's a fourth liner. He's not someone who's there to put up a lot of points. But when he left, it it affected the Devils significantly. At the same time, coming out of December, we got a couple guys back. Other guys like Marino are still out. But now they're finding ways to win again. And I think that harkens back to what are they learning this season that whatever success they have by the end of the year, what I'm really looking forward to is if they find the ways to play and be successful when someone's out of the lineup. I don't think we really saw that in December, but I think now we're starting to see that build up. And that's what's exciting. And yes, when you have Jesper Bratt, Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Dougie Hamilton, all healthy and producing, you know, it, it's super fun and exciting to watch. But there's just so much more that's there and that's what I'm really looking forward to and watching that continue to build. And that's another person you touched on there that I wanted to bring up. Um, You pointed out to us before the game that you're wearing a Niedermeyer jersey. And I think Niedermeyer is probably the best defenseman in the history of the, at least best offensive defenseman in the history of the devils. Now we're looking at Dougie Hamilton though. He had a tough year last year with injury, broken jaw, whatever. This year he comes in, mixed expectations. I think he's a Norris Trophy caliber defenseman at this point in the year. I don't know if he'll win it or be nominated, but he'll be in the conversation. Oh, for sure. Two games in a row now. He tied the game last night and then won it in overtime the night before, or two two days before he won it in overtime. A power play goal assisted by Jack Hughes both times, and you brought up the Hughes pass. In my opinion, it's the greatest play Jack has made in a Devils uniform. We saw some you know incredible stuff with the development team, but you know the – in a devil's uniform, it's Jack's best play, but Dougie Hamilton was the beneficiary. He's been unbelievable. What have you made of his season so far? I mean, I think it's been great. Uh, last year was disappointing just because the he never really got going. He got injured, and then it was really hard to come back from that. So this is the year that I think everyone's expecting last year when just, oh, he's going to take over the team. And he never got the legs to do it last year, but now we're seeing what happens when he is healthy. And now you're seeing why he's worth that cap hit that he got. And it's just, it's so much fun to watch him and just the excitement that he brings between some of those subtle plays and 
sometimes it doesn't even look like he's trying, but he just rips a shot and it beats everybody. We've mentioned a lot of great devils. I mentioned Mr. Devil a little bit earlier in our show, but how cool was it to meet him? And I, I think he got to try on his rings, right? His Stanley Cup ring. He, not only that, he insisted that I put on his ring. Wow. That is so cool. How was it? Like, did you, you talk to him? You got to know him? Like, it had to be a good experience for you. Oh, it was fantastic. So, in truth, I've been trying to hunt him down for years at Vancouver game before I even got to Seattle because he does the broadcast. And I, I remember even once going in and the the TV guy who's filming for the, the pregame little clips of walk, people walking through the turnstiles. He's like, oh, yeah, Danico's here. You, maybe you'll find him. And I've never found him, never been able to run into him. Then this happens. He had retweeted um, the tweet that I put out. And I just kind of replied, eh, is there any chance that I could meet you, maybe sign my jersey? He's like, yeah, just send me a message. So we have a little dm conversation in the background and i get to the arena he true to his word i tell him hey i'm here and he says meet me down at, at this section now i'll happy to to say hi and i actually understand i think he stuck around for at least half an hour talking to other fans afterwards and taking pictures and signing things but he was down there signed my jersey had a nice little chat and it, it's fun because when i was a kid he was this really really mean looking guy who has no teeth and he's tough and he's gonna beat everybody up and he's just the biggest teddy bear of a guy so it, and also i i've just been listening to him for so many years calling these games so i know what his face looks like but now i can put a real person to that and and that's just tons of fun yeah, that's really cool. Dano's amazing. He's been a friend of the program, and we've had him on. I, I understand you went on the Let's Go Devils podcast, and you know I know you know Sam Wu talking to him, and he told me to mention him to you. Shout out Sam Wu, but you know Dano's awesome. Um, we've had a good relationship with him. I'm glad, happy to hear that you got to meet him. He's a really, really cool dude. Did you enjoy? his play style like do you kind of wish we could get back to that in terms of the nhl or are you kind of liking this finesse thing that we're heading towards i think you no know, we, we've got a faster paced game right now that i i think hockey is better to watch it every generation has its pluses and minuses certainly the the old grabbing and hooking style it it had its place i guess but there's something to be said for watching these superstars just make exceptional plays and if every day someone could just haul everybody down no matter what would Connor McDavid and Jack Hughes and Austin Matthews would these guys still make great plays yes would they be in the highlight reel absolutely every single night probably not and certainly not in the ways they are now you don't skate through an entire team when all of them can hook you down that makes sense I agree absolutely and, you know, the trade deadline is coming up March 3rd. Um, Devils are going to be buyers, obviously, not sellers. Is there anybody that you would like to see the Devils try and acquire? I know Timo Meyer has been a hot topic for New Jersey Devils uh, fans. And so, Is there anybody else that you would uh, like to see the Devils acquire? I've seen a lot on Timo, and even just watching him play uh, in the Sharks game, what, a week or two ago, though he's a very, very skilled guy, and I think he fits. He's, he's a younger player, so you get him for a while. What I really want to see is the Devils not go and just rent players. I think Fitzgerald's been pretty clear that's not the direction they want. Uh, we've got a great pipeline, so 
yes, we have assets. Yes, we could trade some away. But I think there's so much future. It's it's not a do everything to win just this year. So if someone like Timo Meyer comes along and we have the opportunity to not only get him, but get him and sign him long term, and now he becomes a real piece to the puzzle, that could be a phenomenal use of some of that pipeline talent that we have getting someone who's going to come in and they're going to stick around for two or three months and however much they help us, like, thank you for your services. That's gone. I don't think that's what we're looking for right now. Fair you mentioned, you mentioned going to a Vancouver Canucks game. You get to a lot of Vancouver games. Is there anywhere else you like to travel to go see whether it be the devils or just NHL hockey in general? It's been a long time since I was at a game that didn't involve, didn't involve the devils. The last couple of years, I haven't been able to make it up to Vancouver for other commitments. But in the past, that's been the only local game. So it's a three, three and a half hour drive. I'll just drive up there, see the game, grab dinner and go home. But that's a really fun city. The fans there are fantastic. Um, otherwise, I, I do what I can when I'm traveling east to try to go through New Jersey when there's a home game. There have been a lot of times I've flown in, seen a game and then continued on to where I'm going. Or I've gone from Prudential Center straight to Newark Airport and flown home. So I, I do try to catch games when I can. Otherwise, if I can't see them in person, I just watch them all. It's always interesting when I meet somebody new and talk about you know their favorite team and whatnot. I'd love to know who your favorite devil is past and present. I think it's hard not to just say that the favorite past devil is Martin Brodeur. Just you know, what he did for the franchise. But... If you look at the numbers that are on the rafters, all of them have a claim to that. It's, uh, you've got three Hall of Famers up there. I think Elias should be in the Hall of Fame, so give him a couple more years, and now it'll be four. And, but but I mean, Marty just did so much where all the other guys are great players, but Marty's the only one that I think you can just say is simply the best. So he was so much fun to watch for such a long time. And he was also the one that was playing really in my youth. Stevens and Niedermeyer came and Danico came a little bit earlier and I saw them for a long time, but Marty lasted really from my being a kid into my being an adult, even past college. So he was just perfectly timed uh, as, as such a legend. But right now, whether you want to say Heischer or Hughes or whoever it is, right? I just want to watch them and, and see what happens. I think we've got a lot of guys that are going to be with us long term. Which one's going to come out as the best of the bunch? Probably Jack, but, but you never know. There, there's so many promising players right now that it's too early to to see who's what's the legacy that's going to stick. Absolutely. Uh, Frank, is there anything else you want to ask Jeremy before we let him promote himself? Um, I guess if I had to ask you one more thing, because I, I was going to ask you this anyway, what is the greatest Devils moment you've ever witnessed in person? I know so you've been a fan back, for a while. If you go back to the 95-96 season, at the end of 95, so Brodeur is he's just starting his legendary career, mm -hmm. and you go to a game, all you want to see is see Martin Brodeur play. The Devils play the Islanders. And Corey Schwab is in net. So my brother and I, I was eight at the time. He was 11. We're kind of beside ourselves. We came to this Devils game and Marty's not playing. And this, this is the worst thing that ever happened in our lives. 
Second period, there's a fight behind the net on the Islanders' side. And Tommy Soderstrom, who's playing for the Islanders, did something. I don't remember what. It doesn't matter. But Corey Schwab saw red. He dropped all of his gear, bolted across the ice, and just started pummeling Tommy Soderstrom. So first, we got a goalie fight, and I'm there in person. Second, Schwab gets kicked out. Brodeur comes in and finishes the rest of the game. And then... If you want the postscript, so that was awesome. A couple of years ago, I was talking to someone at work, and he finds out I'm a hockey fan. He's like, who do you root for? I said, the Devils. Oh, you know, my kid's go uh, coach. He used to play for the Devils. His name's Corey Schwab. I'm like, well, let me tell you my story about Corey Schwab. So I tell him that. A couple of days later, he comes back, and I've got a signed photo from Corey Schwab hoisting the cup. Wow. That's incredible. I really love that story. <laughs> That's awesome. Frank, you made me think of one more question I wanted to ask you before or if the season were to end today, the devils would play the Rangers in the first round, obviously a top 10 NHL rivalry in a lot of people's opinion. Is that something that makes you excited or something a little bit nervous? I can't lose in the first round of the Rangers. I think it makes me excited because if you watch everyone who's new to the team in the last couple of years, and in the last couple of seasons where they haven't had a lot of success at all, let alone against New York. And this year they've had some really tight games, but good games. And you're watching these guys get fired up. I think they're starting to understand the importance that the fans that have been rooting for the Devils since before these players were even alive and know how much that rivalry means to us. And now they're seeing it and they're playing that way. I think it will fire them up. And obviously, you know, nothing better than beating the Rangers in the playoffs or just in general. But if we have the chance to go and get that fired up to start a playoff series and get all these guys to just know what they're playing for, I think it's a huge growth opportunity. As a fan, I think it would be just super, super exciting hockey to watch. So bring it on. Absolutely. I love that. Jeremy, we can't thank you enough for coming on our show. This has been an absolute pleasure and one of legitimately the most interesting interviews we've ever had on the show because I'm like, like I said, Frankie brought up that story last week and I was like, huh, I wonder if I can get him to come on the show. I just think that would be truly sensational and it was everything I dreamed it would be like you're incredibly smart and, you know, I I would keep going with this stuff. I know you don't need me to tell you, but man. That stuff is really cool. I hope you have the opportunity to draw the Stanley Cup. Uh, I don't, I'm trying to think of like some of the hardest NHL logos to draw, like trying to draw, draw a Black Hawk logo. logo. Yeah, like that'd be <laughs> great. My uncle said the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if, I, I believe in you. I, I mean, think if they win the draft hardest... lottery and get Bedard, I think. Uh, yeah. Like the Black Hawks logo would be pretty cool. Clearly one of the smartest people we've ever had on this show. So I, I don't think anything's impossible with this guy. But I know before the show you told us you haven't been a Twitter guy and now you have somewhat of a following. So why don't you promote yourself and what might be coming up for you in terms of what you might be doing? Sure. So uh, my Twitter handle, as you see there, Airplane Nut 312 I never really used Twitter before this, but now it seems like I'm obliged to do something. So I'm sure I'll find some stupid jokes to make with the Devils. Uh, just a day or two ago, I suggested that they have a new retro jersey next year using my little I design. saw that, yep. I think it's beautiful. Or if they want to make that a shirt or a warm-up jersey, the Devils play the Kraken in a couple weeks. I could see that going over very well. Um but I don't think anything particularly serious is going to come out there. But the more, as I think new things to fly around and draw, 
I'm sure you'll see those pop up or other random thoughts, but probably won't become the biggest of the devil's accounts. I still have to figure out how Twitter works. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I mean, I think you're doing a great job on your own. Just Absolutely. keep doing what you're doing, Jeremy. I'll try and I'll try and help promote this jersey. I actually love that idea as a warm-up jersey. Let's make that happen. Let's start a movement, Jeremy. Yeah, they've got a couple weeks to do it. Yeah, oh and yeah. I was even thinking if, if the Kraken want to fly me out with them first, I'll go and root for the Kraken against the Islanders because they play them first. And then I can go to the game uh, in New Jersey. Yeah, and then they're not going to get you to root for the Kraken against the Devils. but I said 80 games a year, and that's not one of them. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. I, f- I feel that way about a couple teams. You know, I live in Chicago. The Blackhawks, yeah, go ahead and win when they're not playing the Devils. Like, that's fine. When you play the Devils, I hate you. That's um, right. Jeremy, we can't thank you enough again for coming on our show. It's been an absolute pleasure. I hope everything going forward, stay safe in that cockpit. Do what you got to do to keep doing well and keep being you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. It's a lot absolutely, of fun. Absolutely. Thank Frank, you, Jeremy. I forgot to send it to period number one when we brought in Jeremy, so I will remember this time to send it to period number two. Welcome to period two, where we can't thank Jeremy Katz enough for coming on our show. Frank, I legitimately think that was the smartest person we've ever brought on our show. Very intelligent, man. He made me and you, like our intelligence combined, doesn't even come to 25% of his intelligence. Right. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. I'm glad he was here. I'm glad I was able to bring up that story last week. They ultimately got him on the show this week, so... Like I said, he's a very intelligent man. I can't wait to see what's in the works. He said there's a few things on the DL that's in the works, and if the Devils end up winning the Cup, a bigger, life, more life-sized Stanley Cup may be drawn in the air. I should say will be drawn, but that'll be just so cool. Honestly, I can't wait to see what's to come. And like I said, if the Blackhawks win the draft lottery, me being a big Blackhawks fan over here, I'd love to see him do something related to Bedard of the Blackhawks. I, I think that'd be phenomenal. All right. Well, I'll see if he wants to come back on if the Devils win the Stanley Cup or if anything like that happens. Uh, you think drawing the Stanley Cup would be easier than the Devils logo? I kind of think it would. Yeah, probably. That, that little part that little part where the cup connects to the to the actual base of the trophy is probably extremely difficult. I imagine there's a couple of those half mile turns in there, like with the corners of the devil's logo. I just feel like that's the hardest part. And then there's a lot of straight shooting from there. Well, the ridges in the Stanley cup could be a little bit harder too, because see with the devil's logo, it's, you know, you got like, it's like one fluid motion almost, but with the Stanley cup, you got like the indents of the rings. So you almost have to like backtrack to do the rings. So those ridges mm-hmm. might be a little tough. Cause like you just can't put a plane in reverse and back up and get that outline. So I don't know how that hand works. Behind the chair, hand behind the chair. like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how that works. I haven't flown a plane, but I assume something like that looks easy, but not as easy as it looks. What's the closest you think you'll ever come to flying an airplane? riding an airplane wow i was gonna say like uh you know like one of those remote control airplanes that you could bring outside and like eh, and i you mean see it go flying being in an airplane that like, you're at least closer to the cockpit so <laughs> that's true that's true well jeremy we can't thank you enough for coming on it's been our pleasure frank we got some puck to talk about we do jonathan ice hockey returned to calgary couple days ago to play the Calgary Flames his first time as a member of the Columbus BJs what do you got to say about it you know normally when a guy makes his return to his city that he played for for so long 
it it's like normally there's supposed to be a feeling there like oh i can't wait for that to happen to me that i overlooked this it didn't occur to me until you told me and it's like it really wasn't talked about much but ultimately his return to calgary two power play assist great game you know how guys play against their former teams they really get their fire lit under the butt and get their uh, get their game going, and that's what happened. He had two power play assists, but ultimately Calgary won the game four to three in overtime. It was a close game, and with how bad Columbus has been playing, that's a bit of surprising uh, there. But you know, Goudreau's numbers are down this year. He's having one of his worst years career stats wise, but that's because you know the Blue Jackets stink. They really don't have anybody to build around him right now, and they're not—they're not a team that can contend, and they're not a team that produces a lot of points and goals. And he's not even point per game right now. But I imagine that when the Blue Jackets are ready to win, and if he's still there at that time, I assume as with the team improves, he'll improve as well, and so will the guys around him. I completely agree with that statement. Actually, uh, he's having a bad year. Like a lot of guys have bad first years with their new teams, like Dougie Hamilton last year with the Devils. Like that just happens sometimes. The people start, mistake, eh, waste of money. <laughs> oh, and then freaking they have 100 points the following year, and people are like, wow, I can't believe I actually questioned why Johnny Goudreau was having a down year. Like I can't wait till he has 100 points right. with, with the Blue Jackets next year. Even it if they think. Time. Even if they stink, I think he has a chance to be like a point-per-game player next year just because sometimes it's hard. Your new teammates, new coach, your center's Boone Jenner. Like, I mean, dude, right. give me a break. Like, if they win the draft lottery and get Bedard of 120 points, no no issue. Like, Johnny Goudreau's a really good player. You can see the incredible skill that he has even when it's not going in for him. He made the silkiest chef's kiss pass to Line a in this game against Calgary. And Line freaking buried it. Well, Line hasn't been there a whole lot, like injuries and whatnot. He's making these passes to, like, you know, goofballs. And, you know, they're not getting buried like they were in Calgary when he was playing with Kachuk and Lindholm and Manjapani. And, you know, there's a reason both teams, both Goudreau and the Flames, have taken a bit of a since he left, but they'll all get it figured out soon enough. I thought that game was one of the most electric factory games of the entire NHL season. I watched it from beginning to end, the Calgary Flames versus Columbus Blue Jackets game last week. It had everything. Hockey had two assists. Okay, he could have had five. He was the the decoy when Boone Jenner scored on a terrific shot. And I'm thinking like, if this was a, a rookie or a second year player, they would have tried to force an unnecessary pass that would have never got through to Goudreau, who was the decoy on the play. Boone Jenner, such a veteran, missed some time this year. He scored his 13th of the season. Just absolute snipe for the Blue Jackets there. Beating Dan Vladar, who's a pretty good backup goalie in the NHL these days. Um, Goudreau had a penalty shot most exciting play in hockey. All of our favorite teams get like two or three penalty shots an entire season. If that, and the headline player of the game had a penalty shot. He missed wide. He had the open glove side on Vladar wide open and he just fired it way wide. And you know, the, the crowd went bananas when Goudreau missed <laughs> against the flames, but they were booing him the entire time. They booed him every single time. He touched the puck. The only time they didn't boo him, it, it's just goes to show how, you know, it's more of a show to boo him than anything. They played the video on the Jumbo John. Hey, thank you, Johnny, for everything you did the last nine years. Yeah. Woo. 
Woo! All the fans going bananas for this video, and then right back to booing him when he takes his next shift. It's just gamesmanship. It's just love for the game. I thought the entire night was awesome. I wrote about it for puckpros.com. It was honestly one of my favorite hockey games that didn't involve the Devils all season long. And who doesn't love bonus hockey? Oh, Oh, my God. And then the play that Dubé made, or he had the OTGWJ. I forget who it was that passed it to Dubé. And it was just an incredible pass, and Dubé did not miss. He needed to make a perfect shot to beat Corpusalo in that game. He was playing outstanding, especially once they got the game tied. Both goalies were outstanding, and it was going to take a perfect shot like that or a greasy goal. And the Flames got it done in overtime. They spoiled Johnny's return. But I'll tell you what, two very interesting teams going – Kind of in different directions. The Flames, yeah, they've been really good the last two weeks or so. And two weeks ago, I probably would have pooped on them, said I don't necessarily think they're going to make it. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if Edmonton, Colorado, Minnesota, all these teams passed them. Now it's like they're starting to really get something going. Manjapani hasn't been the same player that he was last year. He's only got 10 goals now. But, you know, he had 30 last year. He'll, he'll probably come up just short of 20, I would assume, this year if he keeps the pace. Um, I don't know, though. I think Calgary, they're fun in the Blue Jackets. They're going to get a really good player in the draft. Absolutely. Completely two different opposite directions that they're going in. Hopefully, Blue Jackets don't get the number one pick. But nonetheless, they should get a top three pick regardless. I hope they don't get a number one pick for a different reason than you do. You hope they don't get it because... You want the Blackhawks to get it. I hope they don't get it because I don't need Connor Bedard in the Metropolitan Division. The <laughs> Flyers have been playing so well that they've kind of taken themselves out of the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Yeah. And the Blue Jackets, ugh, that's the only team I don't want to get Bedard, even though I will say this. Let's take off our favorite team's hats for a minute. Ignore the Blackhawks. Ignore the Devils for a minute. Bedard on the Blue Jackets would be awesome. He'd be playing with Kent Johnson and, you know, all those young studs that they have going on there. The Blue Jackets were wildly talked about in the World Junior Championships because they got some pretty good talent there. Like Bedard playing in that organization would be awesome from a hockey point of view. Just don't want him in the Metropolitan Division. I'll put my devil's hat back on now. Fair enough. Frank Stamko scored his 500th career goal. Your thoughts? You know, I've always been a Stamkos fan, and we said it many times in the show. I'm pretty sure I might have told you the story before, too, that back in the day when I was first getting into hockey and playing the NHL video games for the first time when I didn't even own a console to buy NHL on, and I would go to, like, my buddy's house or, you know, play it at a cousin's house, the teams I would always – the team I would always choose – was the Tampa Bay Lightning because I was fascinated with the whole Lightning logo and everything. I would never choose the Blackhawks. I would always choose the Tampa Bay Lightning. And because of that, and I and that really never changed. I mean, over the years, I I never usually choose the Blackhawks to play as in games that much. But, you know, over the years, it's like you play with the Lightning so much in the game, you, you start to know the players and learn more about them and you know, Steven Stamkos, big part of the Lightning organization, gets 500th career goal via hat trick against the Canucks, um, which he's only the third active player ever to do it, or not ever to do it. He's the third active player right now to have 500 career goals behind Crosby and Ovechkin. Um, and it was very interesting and nice that he actually got videos from both guys, both Crosby and Ovechkin. And, the, you know, they say their kind words and like, oh, congratulate, congratulations. And, uh, you're doing so well, stuff like that. You know, they give them the nice words and the Tampa Bay lightning organization actually donated 500 meals, um, to the Ronald McDonald house charity 
which is a charity that Stamkos and his wife work very close with. So that was also a nice gesture from the Tampa Bay Lightning organization. But you think about Steven Stamkos and what he's done for the franchises. He's been a huge part of this franchise, the success. I mean, without Steven Stamkos, what kind of success would they have down the line? I mean, he's, to me at least, when I think of the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think of Steven Stamkos. I don't necessarily think of Nikita Kucherov or Andre Vasilevsky or Victor Hedman. I don't think of those guys because of how tenured uh, Stamkos is with this franchise and the, the impact he's made. And honestly, I would consider, and there's not a lot of like, jerseys I would get in the NHL like yeah I would want a jersey of every team in the NHL I think that'd be cool but like it's a realistic possibility that I would get a Stamkos jersey sooner rather than later yeah Stamkos is a legend like I I honestly 500 goals I mean who has five like handful of guys you know Crosby and Ovechkin the only active ones Mm -hmm. right like McDavid will get there Austin Matthews will get there I believe Pasternak will get there We'll see if Jack Hughes stays score- shooting the way he does because I think that'll be like a determining factor on how many is he going to be more of a passer, 50-50 kind of guy. Stamkos was a 50-50 kind of guy through and through. 50 goals, 50 assists, or close to one way or the other. He's legitimately one of the best players to put on a NHL uniform since he was drafted. And if it weren't for some injuries, you know, he had the issue with the broken tibia a couple years ago and then a blood clot a year later. It was longer than a couple years ago now. But, you know, Stamco's reaching 500 goals and he's only like 32 or 33. He could have another 100, 200 in him and be like a 600, 700 goal guy. I don't know if he'll quite get seven, but I do think six is an absolute possibility. And then we're talking in like Jerome McGinley category. Like he's a first ballot Hall of Famer if he retires yesterday. And, I just think he's he's super underrated at this point because, like, mm-hmm. you know, nobody talks with the McDavid's and the Matthews. Stammer's right there. He was a little cold there for a minute too when he was sitting on four ninety nine or four ninety eight. He was on for a long time. Then he got one. Then he got five hundred. Then scored five hundred one and five hundred two in the same game. And it's like, and guess what? Since then he scored again. He's got five hundred three now. So like, it, it was clear that open. yeah, getting getting towards that milestone was a little tough on him, but. You know, that happens. I told you when Ovechkin's at 783, he's going to sit on it for a week or two. I do believe that. And, you know, that, that stuff just kind of happens. It's like a, a mental thing. I don't it's know. Like Aaron Judge when he was trying to get the Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you start gripping the stick a little tighter. Well, he finally got the one. It, it was a sick goal. I believe Alex Killorn made the good play to feed it to him and get the tap-in goal against Vancouver, who we're going to get to in a minute, um, in a very, very negative way. Um, but yeah, Steven Stamkos, congrats to you. The lightning honored him in their most recent home game against the Minnesota wild. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Yeah. And I, you know, I agree with you with how well this team is built and all the talented players on this team. He is a little underlooked and underrated because of guys like who I mentioned, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, Hedman point. Um, I mean, there's so much talent on this team that because he's getting up there in age and he got such that so many amounts of young talent on this team. It's kind of getting overlooked now, but he's still a force to be reckoned with out there on the ice. There's no doubt. He's probably the fifth best player on the Lightning now, which is why they've won two cups, two of the last three cups, been to three straight. The the three-time Eastern Conference champion, because your Stamkos is your fifth best player when he'd be 28 teams' first best player. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if Braden Point's a Hall of Famer, but like at this point in time, I probably would take him over Stamkos. Uh, Hedman, Kucherov, and Vasilevsky. Hall of Famers like I mean legitimately 
outstanding and the lightning are going to be a force to be reckoned with again in the postseason winner of leafs lightning in the first round against the bruins in the second round gonna be a bout for sure frank timo meyer you touched on it with our guest jeremy katz earlier he's on the trade block san jose sharks are probably gonna move him i assume they're gonna move anybody who's on an expiring contract possibly even people who aren't on an expiring contract like eric carlson or um, Logan Couture, but you know, we'll see what happens. Timo Meyer, though, there's lots of suitors for him. He's a 30 to 40 goal scoring machine these days. He's in the prime of his career. There's a little bit of risk of him not re signing with whoever acquires him. So it depends on how much will a team be willing to give up. But the teams I've heard in the conversation for Timo Meyer obviously, the New Jersey Devils, the New York Rangers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Colorado Avalanche, all sorts of different teams in on Timo Meyer. What do you think? The biggest noise I've heard is coming from the New Jersey Devils. That they seem to be the front runner, and you can understand why. Obviously, young core, Stanley Cup contenders. They could use a guy like Timo Meyer, and they have everything to give up for him because you know they're going to expect a first rounder probably, and a prospect for sure. Those are the two things. I guarantee the first rounder and a prospect. You look at some of their prospects. Got Alexander Holtz, Sharon Govich, Zetterlund. I heard rumblings about even maybe potentially even moving Nemich, which I don't agree with. I, I that that doesn't make sense to me. But um, to me, Nemich would be off the table, and then um, there's one other guy, Luke who Hughes. I would, Luke Hughes, obviously off the table as well. Um, but the other guys I named, Holtz, Sharon Govich, Zetterlin, those are all possibilities that if the Devils were to trade for Timo Meyer, they would be in that package potentially. Not all of them, but, you know, you throw in a first round in there too. But, you know, he's also due for a payday too. He makes $6 million right now, average per year. But I think he's getting – technically he's making $10 million, but that's because, like, bonus is another thing. But the, it's hitting the cap at $6 million. That's going to change, though. He's due for a pay increase. You know, me personally, I'd, $8 million maybe, maybe a little more, eight and a half. Maybe pushing nine. It all depends. Very young guy. He could come to the Devils and this young core who are ready to win, and he can make a difference for them. And it, it, from everything I've heard, it seems like the Devils are the favorite right now. I've, I've heard very little on the Devil or on the Rangers, but the other teams you men mentioned, I've heard nothing at all in regards to that. Um, I think the fact that he is only a six million dollar cap hit does put teams like the Leafs and the um, avalanche and play, obviously. The Devils, they have their first round pick. It's already come out, and Bet Pagnota of the fourth period reported that the Sharks are not planning on getting what the Blackhawks got for Debrinket. So, like, that lowers the trade value a little bit, too. And so, I do think, like, Nemich and or Hughes, they're not trading Luke Hughes for obvious reasons. No. If they were to trade Nemich, I would assume they get like a Bo Horvat or, you know, someone who is just even a touch better. Than Timo Meyer. I, I really don't. Nemich goes in like a super blockbuster. That's not going to be the case for a rental like uh, Timo Meyer. Um, I do agree. First round, Alexander Holtz, Jesper Boquist, Fabian Zetterland. Those are the kind of guys who I do think go back to San Jose in exchange for Meyer. He's also Swiss. And he was Nico's line mate at the World Championships last year. And they made sick hockey love together. I mean, I'm talking like every time there was a two on one, they scored. Nico and uh, Meyer one it doesn't matter too because they both can pass they can both shoot I do think they'd play together at even strength with the Devils or they could put Meyer with Hughes because why not put a sniper like that with him and keep Brat with Heischer like there are Seriously, so many yeah. different there are so many different combinations that would make sense for Meyer with 
the Devils, and I, I do think it's a match made in heaven, and the Sharks and Devils have made trades with one another in the past. Um, I hope it happens. You talked about the money. Jack Hughes makes eight and a half now, and he sure's in the sevens. Doug Hamilton is in the nines. He's a defenseman, big time free agent signing. I could see I could see the Devils giving him a million more than maybe what he's get on the market, well, like just to keep him, because I think he is that good and worth maybe if a five hundred thousand dollar overpay if need be. Um do you pay him more than you're paying Jack? Yeah, actually. Because you everybody recognizes that you got Jack for cheap. He hit the free agent market tomorrow, he gets twelve. So, like, you got Jack on a cheap. There were players that made more than Crosby who came to the Penguins. You had Crosby for cheap for so long, $8.7 million. That was Crosby's decision to sign that contract all those years ago. That doesn't mean you can't pay Evgeny Malkin more when his contract extension comes up. Okay, I think they did pay Marc-Andre Fleury a little bit more for the time being. Um, Christopher Latang, Kunitz, or Dupuis, those guys never made more than Sid. But they were never worth $9 million. Like, you know, someone would have made more than Sid had their contract come up just because Sid was signed. The only team that that kind of has been like a subscription for is the Bruins who got Bergeron and Marchand on like the cheapest deals ever. McAvoy makes nine now. So like, how are they going to extend Pasternak? I think that's a conversation for a different episode. Cause I think Pasternak gets 12 or 13 on the open market, but like, does he take 10 with the Bruins? Like that would really annoy a lot of people. But I honestly do think that's going to be the case. I do think Pasternak gets eight for 88 or something like that. Uh, 10 mil cap hit, like, and the Bruins just keep it rolling. That's very possible. But we'll see what happens with a guy like Timo Meyer. I'm very excited to see what becomes of him. We have just over a month until the trade deadline. Yep. Frank. No one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Sabres. Buffalo's good, man. I don't care what you say. I don't care what Joey says. I don't care what any of you clowns think. This team is damn good. Are they going to make it to the playoffs? I don't know. There's four or five teams battling for that. those two wild card spots there. You know, I, I honestly do think it's just going to come down to four teams for the one spot because I do think Washington is probably going to make it now. I'm kind of like in on Washington, especially if Backstrom and Oshie get back healthy like I think they're going to. Well, Backstrom's back non-COVID illness yesterday, but you know, they're a relatively healthy team. That last wild card spot though, Buffalo is not out of it. Listen, we've talked about how Buffalo could score eight goals and give up eight goals per game. Right. And I can't wait to share some of these stats with you because it's just, it it boggles my mind. (laughs) It's freaking weird, man. But anyway, they've won four in a row, including two back-to-back wins on the road, big wins. In Dallas and in St. Louis, those are two big wins right there for the Buffalo Sabres. They're now three points out with three games in hand on Washington, which leads me to believe, like, Washington, red flags. They're in deep, deep trouble. And we kind of figured Pittsburgh? Oh, way more than Pittsburgh, I think. Because Pittsburgh is – they don't have any games in hand on Pittsburgh. They have the same amount of games played. And Washington's had those three extra games played. They've already played 50 games. I think they're like they're the one in trouble now, and I think Pittsburgh's more on the safe side, to be honest with you. Right. And you know, coming into the season, you know, I said I'm not high on Pittsburgh, and I really wasn't that high on Washington either because they started out the season with um, some injuries. Fair. And I and I knew it would be kind of hard for them to you know get things going, and once you fall into that hole, it's hard to get out of. But you know, they're the most 
top-heavy team, not top-heavy, the most evenly distributed team, like from their their top guys. So right now, they have four players with at least 20 goals. I couldn't find another team like that where they had at least four players with at least 20 goals. Who? The Buffalo Sabres. Oh, I, I got one. There's one other. Because I was checking. What would name them? Edmonton. Okay, I don't think McDavid, I looked at David, Dreisaitl, Hyman, and New Jersey. Because I was looking at like 20. Boston. I was looking at New Jersey. I was looking at no, Tampa No, the Devils Bay. only have two. I know. and They like, will have at, four. I was looking at all these teams. I'm like, the Buffalo Sabres, man. Yep, and even Sabres. after that, Dylan Cousins is having a great, his best season yet. He has 17 goals. So yep. it's like he's right on the brink of becoming the fifth player to get 20 goals for this team. They've been absolutely cooking. But to go back to what I was saying before, about how when they score goals in bunches and it's great. Whenever they give up, so if they if they don't decide to give up a lot of goals some games and they're they you know they're only going to give up a few goals, if they give up three goals or less, their last five games they've given up three goals or less, they're five and zero. Oh. When they've given up more than three goals, the last five times they've given up more than three goals, they're zero oh, four and one, which is just insane. It's like. You're either going to score a bunch of goals and win the game, or you're just going to give up a bunch of goals and lose the game. And I know that sounds silly. That's how hockey works. But it's like, come on now. Like, are you make up your mind? Are you going to score eight goals or give up eight goals? Or why can't you just be consistent? But I mean, it, it to me, it's this team is getting hot at the right time. Tage Thompson is in the Hart Trophy conversation. I think McDavid. Thirty-three you could, goals. You could start sketching McDavid's name on the Hart Trophy right now. But Thompson's going to get nominated. It. Yeah, but he won't win it. No, he's going. I I think he's going to get nominated. I, he might. I and possibly even come in second. He is, I, the biggest unicorn in the NHL right now. He's six six, and he plays like Jack Hughes, who's five ten. I mean that play he made to give the Buffalo Sabers the overtime win a couple nights ago was unlike anything I've ever seen before because he's this guy who towers over everyone making mm -hmm. finesse speed plays like that. Like, Jamie Benn and Ryan Getzlaff were that big. They never moved around like Tage Thompson does. They just didn't. Taves never moved around the way Patrick Kane did. There's a difference. When you're big, you're normally slower and more bulky. Tage Thompson is huge, and he acts like a small boy, and... I there is somewhat of an explanation for their extreme goal giving up goals. Every now and then their goalies play bad. I mean they got Uko Pekalukinen, they got Craig Anderson. Uh there's another big one I'm missing. They kind of rotate goalies a little bit. Mm -hmm. Their defense is very young. Okay, Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power, these guys are going to be generational. Not generational, I hate that word. Only two players are generational in the NHL right now. And they're both of their last names start with M. Super elite franchise defensemen, Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power. Two number one overall picks. They're young, though. And the last thing to come to your game when you become an NHL player is the defensive side of things. Everybody creates offense when they first come in the league. Well, when do teams start winning Stanley Cups like Pittsburgh, like Chicago, like Washington? When their stars commit to defense a little bit more in addition to playing offense, uh, that'll come in time with Buffalo. I really, really believe so. I, like, you know, Darlene and Owen Power, they'll be in Norris Trophy conversations at the at the end of their career. 
and you know potentially offensive gurus owen power scored his first goal of the year i think he's going to be more of like a dish you know pass and defense type of defenseman much like a, a duncan keith you know, maybe not as good as Duncan Keith, but that style. Keith never really had more than like five. Seabrook right. always scored more goals, but Duncan Keith was a have sixty assists. Like I could see Owen Power being on the cusp of something like that, where Darlene will score twenty goals. Um, but I don't know. I, I just really like this Buffalo team. They're a team I hope gets in the playoffs. Uh, the Penguins, Washington, yeah, they're some of my favorite teams to watch. I love Crosby. I love Ovechkin. I, I really, really do. I wish there was a way for them all to get in and like get the Rangers out of here or something. But like Buffalo in a playoff series playing as loose as they would. I'll tell you what, the Boston Bruins, if they break the NHL point record, wouldn't want to be playing Buffalo in the first round. They'd rather play Pittsburgh or Washington. I promise you that. Well, of I course. promise you that. Now, do you think that because there are so many other players on the Buffalo Sabres who are scoring goals at will. Like I said, Tuck, 23 goals, Olufsen, 22 goals, Skinner, 20 goals. Does that kind of hurt um, Thompson's chance of winning the heart? Because is he really the most valuable to his team if there's a whole bunch of other guys that are chipping in as well? So Whereas, like, if you remove, remove, like, McDavid, that's a big, big part of the Edmonton yeah. Oilers game. Yeah, or or Hughes. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, no. like, does that kind of hurt? I I I don't think so because outside of Taylor Hall, when's the last time the Hart Trophy went to the most valuable player to his team? It just always goes to right. like whoever leads the score in scoring by a bunch. McDavid, the second leading scorer in the NHL, is also on McDavid's team. So if right. you're gonna tell me that Olafson and Skinner and a talk and power and Darlene and cousins, all these guys are going to make it harder for Thompson. Then I want to talk about how McDavid is the only other player in the league <laughs> who ha has three other 20 goal scorers on his team because dry Hyman and Nugent Hopkins all have 20 or more goals as well. So the Taylor hall, most valuable player to his team season. It's a nice thought. I just, Jack Hughes and Tage Thompson and Pasternak, they're in the Hart Trophy conversation because of the fact that they lead their team like that, but they're also all top 10 in NHL scoring. Fair. Tage Thompson's a dog. I was wrong. I was wrong. You never said he was a bad player, though. No, you I just trust one season. Contract that, that quickly just because of the ups and downs we saw. And he had the one good year, and I'm like, we're just basing it off the one year. That's a little scary. I just and, thought the contract was a little messed up. I really never bashed him. Yeah. And yeah. and and I I understand I always understood what you were saying. I didn't agree with it, but I always understood what you were saying. The only advice I could give going forward, and listen, I in no way think I'm the end all be all giving advice and shit. Otherwise, my DraftKings account would have millions and millions of dollars in it. But like I do believe in pedigree. Tage Thompson, first round pick, you know, all of a sudden has this like crazy season. Like he reached his potential. Then he gets the contract. Why? Well, because he was a first-round pick. He had a, he's a super-skilled player. Everybody, All the scouts from the day he was 17 years old thought he could get to this, and now he has, so let's pay him instead right. of letting him go somewhere else. When a guy like Jesper Bratt starts doing this stuff, he didn't have the pedigree that Tage Thompson did coming out of junior or the Swedish Elite League, stuff like that. That's why Jesper Bratt hasn't been paid yet. He's got to do it two, three, four years in a row before anybody has some kind of confidence in him in the long term. That's the difference between somebody like Bratt and Thompson. 
uh, I'm trying to think of other good examples around. And that's the why I'm trying to give, you know, Shane Wright the benefit of the doubt too, because of how bad he's been lately, but I, I'm not out on Shane Wright. So I'm kind of like using my mistake that I made on Tage Thompson. And I'm putting that using it going forward with different players that we see not excelling so well, but don't be surprised if Seattle and Vancouver make one of the bigger in division rivals, uh, trades in the history of the league before think the Shane Wright's going to Vancouver. Wouldn't Bo Horvat just look so good on Seattle right now. And in that the way would, Seattle's been playing. They're a cup contender. I mean, yeah. there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I, there's the first team. Be, dude, look at Vegas. Teams, when they finally are playing this good, believe them. When it's January 25th, when a team tells you what they are by January 25th, believe them. It's what I'm telling you. You know, and yeah. there'll be busts in the playoffs. Like someone's going to lose in the first round. Like, wow, I didn't actually think they'd do that. But oh, Seattle, if they had uh, Bo Horvat right now down the middle and you're running Ben Years Horvat as your one two punch in the postseason, I would and be good. Seattle doesn't have a point per game player. It's all by committee. You add a stud muffin like Bo Horvat to the mix. Yeah, sign me up for a trade like that. And then Shane Wright can grow up in Vancouver yeah. with, you know, some of those other young mates that are there probably a good idea for everyone but we'll see if something like that happens um speaking of vancouver they're kind of the team that's been in the news the most over the last couple weeks frank they kevin weeks reported that uh vancouver was going to fire bruce boudreau like three weeks ago mm-hmm. and they're going to replace him with rick tockett well yeah we knew you, this was coming what do you know about rick tockett and kevin weeks they both work in NHL media together. Uh, Tockets with NB or TNT. Uh, weeks is weeks with TNT as well, or is he? I don't you think know, so. weeks is ESPN. Yeah, he's weeks ESPN. is with ESPN and the NHL Network. Those are they're all boys. They're all at the rink at the same time. TNT's got this game. They're shipping out of town. They're in Toronto together tonight for Rangers Maple Leafs. I right. mean, it's one big party. Those NHL media guys. Right. And when Kevin Weeks says something, it's true. There's a reason he doesn't break like the big, big news because really all the stuff he hears is like from his friends in the media game. So when he says Rick Tockett's going to be the uh, manager of or the coach of Vancouver, believe him because he heard it straight from Rick Tockett. And I just couldn't believe that the Vancouver Canucks let Bruce Boudreau just sit on ice for three weeks like that and just treat him with such disrespect and allow him to sit there sinking in his own sand as the Vancouver Canucks just lose games. And he doesn't have to care because he's getting canned any any day now. And finally, they pulled the trigger after that one really hard game on, I believe it was Sunday night. And they look like a shit show. One of the best dressed teams in the NHL. I think perfect jersey catalog. I'm not saying they have any of the best jerseys in the NHL. In my opinion, the Red Wings and the Blackhawks have the two best jerseys in the NHL. But in terms of home, away, alternate, alternate two, reverse retro, nobody competes with Vancouver. I really only like Detroit and Blackhawks home jerseys. I actually think their road jerseys are kind of ugly and could use an improvement. Like Vancouver, everything is awesome. So I hate seeing them stink like this. Just a little side note. But Frank, what's your take on the Bruce Boudreaux stuff? See, I like Bruce Boudreaux a lot. Me too. And we knew last week, I mentioned it too on the podcast last week that Rick Tockett's going to be in. So it's like this was not hush-hush by the organization. And, you know, they apologized. Uh, What's his name? Who's the 
the owner or the general manager? Oh, the general manager is, Jim is something? Mr. Rutherford. Jim Rutherford. Jim Rutherford. Who was with Pittsburgh when Rick right. Tockett was there as the coach of the Wilkes-Barre Grand Penguins and the assistant and, coach. And he apologized for the way it went down because, like, everything wasn't hush-hush. And, you know, when you look at Bruce Boudreau when he's coaching, he looks like the biggest asshole out there. He's just, <laughs> he kind of he does. just sits there. He does. He's got, like, no, no personality on his face. But when you get to know the guy and you get to talk to the guy, he's one of the most genuine, kind-hearted people there are. Big WWE guy. He loves Kevin Owens too. Oh. And I, yeah, he he does. And like, he's just a man who just loves his job and just loves to coach and and just he loves the game of hockey. And I really appreciate that about him too because when he when they got destroyed by Vancouver or not Vancouver by Edmonton, his last Edmonton, game that he yeah. coached, you know, he knew it was coming. He took it in, you know, the crowd was chanting Bruce, there it is, Bruce, there it is. And it, th which made it like the crowd knew it was coming too. Cause they knew, wow, this is probably going to be Bruce's last game coaching us. He was standing there on the bench. And after a loss, normally the coach goes right into the dressing room and, you know, thinks about the next game, but this was different. After a loss, he stood there on the bench and kind of, you know, looked at the crowd and took it all in one last time because he knew what was coming. Um, it's absolutely horrible. It was handled poorly. I feel bad for him because I know he's a great guy. He's got, he's got a kind heart. Um, you look at his record he had with Vancouver. It's not beautiful by any means. He was 50, 40 and 13, which isn't bad. I mean, it's fine. Obviously, you got some talented players on the Canucks, and you want to be a little bit better. Rick Tockett comes in. He's 1-0 now, thanks to the Blackhawks. Um, but I felt bad for Bruce Boudreaux. I really did. I did, too. And Vancouver, they looked awesome yesterday. Yeah. There's no The fact that they almost, like, lost is kind of weird. They outshot them 2-1. to one. I know. And it was close. Or was it 3-1? to one? They no, outshot it was, them. It was like two and a half. Uh, Frank, 48 to 14. That's wow. bad. That's bad. I thought the it was like Hawks, two and a half to The one. Devils get 14 <laughs> shots a period. They look bad, the Blackhawks. They were terrible. And Vancouver, the fact that they only scored four goals plus an ENG, right? The, the fifth yeah, the one fifth was, one was an empty netter. Yeah, it was Bo Horvath throwing one into the empty netter, his 31st of the season. Yep. Get him to the Kraken. Um. That was a terrible game for the Hawks, but Vancouver finally put together a good effort, and I thought Quinn Hughes looked really good. I watched almost the whole game, missed a little bit of the first period, but I caught it during the meat and potatoes of the game and thought it was an interesting game. I'm happy they were able to get the win. I'm not happy for the people in charge. And you know Mr. Rutherford and Tockett have a relationship mm -hmm. from their days with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Rutherford put together two Stanley Cup champions. With Pittsburgh, the Crosby, Malkin, Kessel days were yep. Mr. Rutherford's doing. And Tockett was a part of that. And so, you know, he's telling his boy, like, you're the coach. Right. And then Tockett says it to Weeksy. He breaks it. <laughs> they wait three weeks to, like, I just, uh, disgusting, disgusting way to manage your business. The feeling he had to have to Boudreaux. Like, are you like, fucking kidding me? Like, just, all right, when is it going to happen? Just do it. The way the Vancouver Canucks handled this, they should be ashamed of themselves. They don't deserve anything. Bedard is from Vancouver. I don't care. I don't care. That's disgusting. That's Bush League. That's not how you handle one of the greatest coaches in the history of the National Hockey League. And this cannot 
be the way that Bruce goes out. I hope someone, anyone, one of the cup contenders, the Devils, the Bruins, the Rangers, someone, make him an assistant to the donut vendor, something where he can be a part of an organization to go out in a much more proper way than what Vancouver did in disgusting fashion. I hope the Devils get Quinn Hughes out of there and then figure it out from there, Vancouver. I'm not, I want to root against Vancouver. I like Vancouver. You know, I have no issue. Blackhawks fans really don't like Vancouver. Yeah, I'm not the old playoff fan. days. But like their reverse retro is my favorite. It's still the background on my phone. And I love their black jerseys, the skates. So cool. I mean, I'm obsessed with Vancouver's jerseys. I want every single one of them. Home away alternate, though the one with the stick. Oh, so cool. They're just unbelievably cool, well-dressed organization. They don't handle the Bruce Boudreaux thing correctly. I'm disgusted by it. I hope they lose every game. No, I hope they win every game the rest of the season and miss the playoffs by one point and have no chance at Bedard. So Frank. You, wait, you didn't know that Bruce Boudreaux was uh, like a big Kevin Owens guy? No, no clue. Had no clue. So at the draft, I think it was at this last year's draft, he was sitting like on a panel like discussing the draft picks with another uh, colleague, and Kevin Owens surprised him and showed up. And Bruce Boudreaux's smile on his face lit up like he was a little kid going to a wrestling event. And it was hilarious. Bruce Boudreaux's like, so, Kevin, when are you going to be returning? Are you going to be a so-and-so returning next week? And Kevin Owens like, yeah, I'm trying to work out the injury right now. It was like it was almost like so cute to see Bruce Boudreaux like fanboy over Kevin Owens like a little kid would. And it was just it was actually really funny. If you haven't seen it, I'm surprised because you watch the draft. Yeah, I'm actually going to have to go back and watch it. I love Bruce Boudreaux. He was the coach of the Wild for a long time. Some of my favorite Zach Parisi years involved Bruce Boudreaux. He was Ovechkin's coach for a long time. Loved him in Anaheim. I mean, I'm a huge Bruce Boudreaux guy. Every team he's gone to, I was like kind of attracted to a little yeah. bit. Like I, I loved watching Anaheim in the Getz, Laugh, Perry, Boudreaux days. I loved watching Washington when he had Nicholas Backstrom and Alexander Ovechkin in their true prime. Uh, obviously, what went on in Vancouver, over 500 in Vancouver. No one would have ever thunk that, but he was over over 500 in Vancouver, like, you know, great coach, outstanding, mm-hmm. loved him with the wild. Uh, I hope he gets one more chance to do something. Um, my favorite Bruce Boudreau story is actually, it's not really my favorite. I don't want to call it my favorite story, but he was supposed to be on one of the nine 11 flights. If you wow. haven't seen, if you want to, the hairs on your, on your arms to stand up, go to NHL.com and type in Bruce Boudreau, nine 11 and read that story about how something pulled him away from go, getting on that flight. And he would have been on there. And that would have been in 2001. Like he was probably, he probably wasn't even with Wash. I don't know what his career was before Washington, to be honest with Get you. Get Bruce so, on the show. Uh, you want me to? I'll try. Um, That'd be sick. Yeah, that would be sick. Um, but yeah, Frank, moving on. Max Pacioretty, Josh Norris, both out for the year. Sucks. Hate it. Wish they were able to play. Both great players in different <sighs> points of their career. What do you got? Yeah, you know, it, it's rough. First of all, Max Pacioretty. I love Max Pacioretty. I got a jersey of his from when he was on the Canadians. It's a big loss for the um, for the Carolina Hurricanes. He tore the same Achilles that he did last year, that he did this year too. So the one that he tore this year, he tore last year, and the one that he needed, he needed surgery to fix the torn Achilles from last year. So now it's just like you're going down a path that's like really scary as an athlete because you don't want to keep injuring the same injury over and over again because then it tends to shorten your career. 
Um, but when he made his debuts with the Hurricanes a couple weeks ago, he had three goals in five games. He could be a key part of the Carolina Hurricanes organization. So I know how much he means to this team, and him going down is just a huge loss, especially because right now they're battling with the Devils for first in the Metro, and losing um, Pacioretty hurts the Hurricanes tremendously, and that helps the Devils out because it makes it you know a little bit easier on the Devils. So that that's tough. That's a tough loss to um, to go out with. Um, as far as Josh Norris goes, Josh Norris. Um, the Ottawa Senators are having an off year, right? They're not having – I thought they could be a bubble team, but then with Cam Talbot going out for so many weeks, I'm like, well, that's it's going to make it a little bit harder on them. You know, you got Dabrinkit and uh, Giroux and stuff like that, and now that Josh Norris uh, goes down, it makes it a little bit tougher for them. Obviously, they weren't going to go anywhere this year, but um, – He's a huge loss too. Even though obviously they're not they're not doing anything this year, it's still a huge loss to the team. Yeah, and it's just a lost year of development for him. Like he's a exactly. really good player. I, like I think he has a chance Which, to be. Didn't he go out with? He's, it's dealing with his shoulder. Yeah, and it, and that's another thing. He he missed what like thirty eight games last year, or was it this year with the same shoulder injury? Yeah, yeah. But, but he also injured the shoulder last year, kind of like with the Achilles with Max Pacioretty. It's like that's really bad if you're an athlete because you don't want to keep injuring that same part of your body because it's going to shorten your career. Like you said, it's going to hurt his develop developmental um, into the NHL. And it's just, that's really bad for him. Yeah, I agree. I hope he's able to work it out. He has a better chance of coming back than Pacioretty, I would assume, just based on age and the injuries slightly, you know, you could get yeah. the shoulder figured out the Achilles. That's going to be, do you know what the Achilles is? Like, oh. don't even, don't even Google what the injury. It's disgusting. It's, Joey, it's gruesome. Joey described it to me like, you know those things that you would like, they were like a long strip and you would hit them on your wrist and they would like lock to your wrist. Yeah. That's what your Achilles is like apparently. Like I didn't know that. Ugh, no, no, thank you. Please. Yep. I hope Max Pacioretty's okay. And and Josh Norris is a 50-point scorer. Yep. You're missing an extra 50 points on your team. Yep. So. Hopefully. hope. Hopefully the decision was because of where Ottawa is in the standings and they could have had them back for playoffs if necessary, which if they were that type of team, hopefully that's the case. I don't know it to be for sure, but we will see what happens. Frank, the all-star game rosters became final between our last show and now each team added two skaters and a goalie. What do you make of the selections? I'm sure you have them in front I of you. I got them all written down. Yep. I don't have the full rosters. I just have the vote. We don't need the full rosters. Yeah. We we already went we over did that, that last week. Yeah. Um. Well, we'll look at the central. Not too surprising there. Nathan McKinnon. Obviously, you want to have him at the All Star game. Hellebuck's been playing out of his mind for the Winnipeg Jets. Jets. The Winnipeg Jets look rejuvenated, like they're a new team. Like where were the where were they last year? Why weren't they doing this last year? And then Miko Rantanen. Uh, obviously McKinnon's teammate. I mean, I think that's a very good voted in central group in my opinion you got some pretty interesting names that are going to make the all-star game a little bit better um from the pacific division leon dreisaitl obviously how do you not have leon dreisaitl but obviously if you have one per team you're going to have Connor mcdavid over leon dreisaitl not surprised dreisaitl was voted in bo horvat we talk about how much of a stud he is he deserves to be there he's voted in and one of our names who we mentioned last week on who we potentially think could be voted in was Skinner, the goalie for the um, Edmonton Oilers. So how about that? He, he ended up getting in. Like we said, he was playing out of his, like I think last week we gave our two picks, right? 
on who we thought and a goalie who would be in. Skinner, I think, was your choice. I forgot who was mine, but I put him as a mention too, so he's in there. Atlantic Division, Austin Matthews, not surprised. David Pasternak, not surprised. Andre Vasilevsky, not surprised. I think we mentioned all three of those guys last week as well. So there's really not much to say there. All three are having phenomenal years and deserve to be there. Then you look over to the final division, the Metropolitan Division, division um, Artemi Panarin, Adam Fox, and Ilya Sorokin. Once again, not much to say there. Artemi Panarin is just the guy who's going to make the All-Star game a lot more fun. He brings a lot of different aspects to the team. And if you want a guy who has a lot of skill, you get that with Artemi Panarin. Got a great defenseman in Adam Fox. He's having a pretty good year. Um, he's also a guy that deserves to be there. And Sorokin, I know you're a big Islanders fan. You talk about how well the Islanders are playing, and I'm sure you're happy about Ilya Sorokin being there. So what, what's your take on it? Yeah, I'm happy the Islanders started losing, though, because it gave the Devils a little bit more of a cushion in their playoff spot. But I would love to have a conversation with Mr. Bettman, that weasel, according to John Scott on our show last week. What happened? I don't even yeah. slightly believe that this was a fan vote. It doesn't seem like it because he said, vote in anyone, and I mean anyone. That was like their slogan. And this is like... Like the list of no, the players who should make it. There's no shocks here. and. I don't know. Keandre Miller got more Twitter votes than Adam Fox. That's what I'm saying. I, I like, saw that too. It's like, like I, I just don't at all believe that it was a fan vote. You're telling me one division wouldn't have had a joke. Not even, it doesn't have to necessarily even be a joke. Like think when Zemgis Gergensen's made it, mm -hmm. he was voted in. Uh, he had Latvia and Buffalo voting for him. Yeah. Zemgis Gerzensen's was a joke, but he was like, it was still a good player. Like you can have good players make it on like a jokes. Like John Scott's an outlier, like a fourth right. line goon that only fights. There wasn't one. Yeah, that I, I honestly sense. don't think anyone was snubbed. No, because all these guys deserve to be there. Yeah. Okay. That's a great way to put it. They all deserve, like you can argue you'd rather have he sure make it than Panarin or Brat make it than Panarin or, you know, Nietzsche's from the Hurricanes, uh, their uh, Konechny from the Flyers. There are a couple people you can argue, yeah. but like Panarin deserves to be. He's Artemi Panarin. Right. He's the bread man. He's, you know, <laughs> everything, everything that's come with Panarin over the years, like, I just don't for one second. You're telling, like, how did we nail the Atlantic division? One, two, three. Pasternak, uh, Ma uh, was it? Matthews. Co Matthews. And Vasilevsky. That was like. Who else huh. would go? We did chop, right. <laughs> like, you know, if a, two Leafs made it because Toronto's bigger than everyone else in the hockey world, like, that wouldn't shock me. Austin Matthews didn't make it because he's from the Maple Leafs. He would have been, could have been from the Coyotes and he would have made it based on what I'm seeing here. Like, I honestly believe there was something fishy here. I truly do. I normally don't believe in conspiracy theories or anything. Conspiracy theory people piss me the H off. This is my one conspiracy theory. I in no way believe that this was strictly a fan vote. I think there was probably a group of players near the top of the fan vote, and they, they selected from them based on what was deserved on their production this season. Like, there's no way. that A lot of Je people think that. Jesper Bratt had more votes than all of the Rangers. I saw it. Uh, he sure was third. Like, that wouldn't have made it because top two. But, like, holy crap. I just don't believe it. And you're not the only one. A lot of people believe it as well, that it was somewhat rigged. And if that's the case, if it was like that, don't even put the vote out. 
Like, just make the decision yourself. Don't even hold the vote because you know you're going to get backlash for it. Or if it was rigged, you got to throw in, like, one anyway, right, to make sure, like, people don't start questioning it. But um, I thought for sure 88 would make it. He's not too. having an all-star year. He's not. He scored yesterday. He's going to command something on the trade deadline. If someone offers up something, the, the Hawks are going to get something for him. I do believe that. I believe Bedard has a better chance of being on the Blackhawks next year than Patrick Kane does. But, I mean, Chicago owns these votes. When the White Sox and the Cubs were each part of the last man in for baseball, Chris Sale and Anthony Rizzo were voted in. Chicago's second team gets more votes than mm-hmm. other teams in the MLB. Like Chicago owns the year they had to vote for the starting lineup. It was Dave, Kane, Keith, Seabrook, yep. and Crawford. Like, what are we doing? Like, you're not fooling. Like, Patrick Kane would be vote. Like, I just don't for one second believe that it was strictly a fan vote. No shot. It does. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't make sense to me. Something's fishy. Just like Foster says, too many things, too fishy these days. Too many things, Foster. How you doing? Welcome to the chat. Good to have you. Frank, I ask you this every week. What's your favorite hockey story of the week? Well, one of my favorite things in hockey is coming up, and that's the NHL skills competition. And this year, I am happy to say that there are going to be three brand new events included in the skills competition. And I'm happy that they're embracing the location of the all-star game and incorporating new events, just like they did in Vegas last year. Cause that wasn't always the case. They wouldn't always just make up these new events based on the location they were at. But I like that more nowadays they're doing that. And this year being in South Florida, we got some interesting events this year. And I'm going to explain each one of them to you. We got splash shot, pitch and puck and tendy tandem. So what Splash Shot is, is it's described as it's going to be located on the beach in Fort Lauderdale, and it'll um, it'll consist of eight players, two teams of four. Players must hit all the targets before attempting to dunk their opponent, and I assume meaning dunk their opponent into the um, to the ocean or on the beach in Fort Lauderdale, which will be really cool. It'll kind of be like what they did with the Vegas Fountains, except they'll be out on a beach now um, by the uh, – by um, in Fort Lauderdale. So I think that'll be really cool. What I kind of picture is some like dunk tank type of vibes, like hitting targets and then like, so you could dunk your opponent, whoever's in the tank. That's what I'm picturing. But um, that's splash shot. Then you got pitch and puck, which Vin, I know you'll be excited about this. It combines hockey and golf where it'll consist of six players on a four par golf hole. And the winner is whoever can put the ball or puck into the hole in the least amount of strokes, just like golf. So I think that'll be pretty cool. Um, If there's a tie, it goes to the longest drive. They'll determine it using the longest drive. I just think that's funny because a lot of hockey players in the offseason, they go in golf. Um, A lot of older folks who travel to Florida, you know, retire in Florida, like to golf. They're just embracing the whole Florida thing, having golfing and hockey come together. I think that's going to be really cool. I don't know how many of the hockey fans will appreciate it because I know there'll be a lot of the people saying that's not hockey. What, what skills involve when we're playing golf? And I know there'll be some backlash there, but I, to me, I think it's going to be so cool. The all-star game, the skills competition is meant to be fun, and that's what it's going to be. It's going to be fun. I don't care what other people think. I care about what my entertainment is during the game, and I know I'm going to be entertained. I love that. Go ahead. Oh, I got one. What were you going to say? I was just going to say I love that. The third and final new competition, 
Tendi tandem. This is really cool. I don't have much to explain on this because I was reading it, and it's like one of those things where it's like it'll make more sense once I could witness it with my own two eyes. I was reading it, and it didn't really make sense. But there's going to be eight goalies. It's going to be an all-goalies competition, and one is going to be a shooter. And the other is going to actually play goalie. So you're going to, a goaltender is going to shoot and a goaltender is going to play goalie, but you're going to work together to try and get like the most amount of points. So like if the goalie could hit targets, you get points, but if the goalie can make stops, you can get points and whatever tandem has the most points wins the skills competition. But it just seemed too hard to explain because I'm like, well, you're not trying to score on your goalie. So what are they scoring? Like if, if you're on the same team, like how are you going to get points as a shooter? Cause it didn't talk about them shooting. It's like, if you shoot from a certain angle and it goes into the net, I'm like, it just didn't make sense to me. So it's just one of those things. Like we'll just have to wait and see how it portrays at the skills competition. But to me, it sounded cool because we've never witnessed anything like that. Like a goaltender, like two goalies coming together in one competition. And it's like all surrounds them. That's pretty cool in my opinion. So I honestly love all of that. That's so exciting. I literally love the skills competition and yep. cannot wait to watch it. It's Saturday the 4th, and then the All-Star yep. game Sunday Third. the 5th. Oh, the skills competition, yeah. The the, the All-Star game is the 5th, and then the 4th is – um. no. Is it the 4th and 3rd? 4th and 3rd. It's the 4th and 3rd. There you go. Okay. So excited. I literally can't wait. Next weekend, it's the weekend in between the football stuff, so – very, very excited for that. I love the skills competition. I love the all-star game. Obviously, I'll be rooting on my guy, Jack Hughes, and the Metropolitan Division. Frank, my favorite hockey story of the week, something a little local, I think is really cool. This was sent to me by my good friend, Joe Mandel, and I am featuring it as my favorite hockey story of the week because I think we could go make a video or something involving this. The town of Lockport, Illinois, is approved a new ice hockey dome for the city, a year-round use ice hockey skating facility in combination with other sports located over 12 acres on Prime Boulevard off of 167th Street. The 71,000-square-foot facility will feature wow. two NHL regulation-sized ice rinks, speed and agility training center, full weight room, synthetic ice training area, turf field, pro shop, concession stand, and sports bar. Wow. The facility will also display the world's largest hockey stick outside of the front of the building, which will stand at 250 feet. The current record holder is located in Canada at 218 feet. Wow. I think we go make a bar down intro video in front of this ginormous hockey stick in Lockport. It's not that far using the highway. That's actually really interesting. Who yeah. told you that? I, I had the article sent to me from Joe. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's so really I, interesting. We're going to have to go check this place out. Absolutely. I want to watch some hockey from this rink. I'm being dead ass serious. 71,000 square feet or 72,000? This place that's is going to be freaking huge. I'm just wow. telling you. When it's open and that stick is up, we're going. We're going to check it out. Whoever wants to come can come with. Frank and I will be there. Absolutely. We're making, we're making a wait. video. You're wearing a Blackhawks jersey. I'm wearing a Devils jersey, and we are going to make a sick video there. I'm being dead ass. You don't have to tell me twice. That's maybe, fine with me. Maybe we'll even record a pod there. That's All actually right. crazy. Yeah, I'm pumped. I, I mean, you know me. I love hockey. I love when other people love hockey. So 
Um, yeah, that's my favorite hockey story of the week. Lockport, Illinois, largest I, hockey stick ever coming up. I love the MVP. I really do. Hell yeah. That's going to be cool. Eric smoking some cush in the <laughs> chat says that's dope. Um, yeah, I'm very excited about it. Frank, that's hockey. Wow. Now it's time for the sad portion of your week. As we talk about what's going on in the NFL postseason in period number three. We're just going to get right to it, Frank. (laughs) We're just going to get right to it. Since about week six, I tweeted it. Since about week six, just something hasn't been right with the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen led the NFL in turnovers and picks this season. Something with Brian Dable leaving really hurt the Buffalo Bills. Um, I don't know. They were still an elite team. They were a top five team in the AFC. <laughs> um, and then they got to the postseason and they barely beat Skylar Thompson. Was that his name? The Miami Dolphins quarterback. They barely beat him. And but they won, they got past them, and then they get to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, who have been a significantly better team than the Buffalo Bills since about week six, and they beat them down. Okay, if I'm great in every team that played in the postseason division round, two teams get an F. One of them's the New York Football Giants. I picked them to win, so I'm wrong about a game too. I went three and one. But the Buffalo Bills, man. I didn't pick the Giants to go to the Super Bowl. I didn't spend all season long calling uh Daniel Jones my Super Bowl quarterback, even though he only made one championship game in his entire career and lost it. The Buffalo Bills, man, they fooled you. They fooled you hard. I'm not making fun of you. I've been fooled. I've been fooled plenty. I'm I'm the biggest fool. I'm a 10 times bigger fool than anyone I know. But on this episode of Bar Down Talking Hockey, there's only one person who's got to step up there and atone <laughs> for their sins, and that is you, Frank Mueller. The floor is yours. I didn't even want to text you. You told me I never text you, and I proved to you that I text you close to every single day, but I didn't have the heart to text you because I knew, I knew what was going on. Part of my heart was ripped out of my chest. The floor is finally yours. I'll be quiet. Part of my heart was ripped out of my chest as each touchdown that Joe Burrow threw inch closer to the Bills' demise. It was absolutely heart-wrenching. Score 10 points at home in weather that you're more comfortable to play in over the Cincinnati Bengals. Fosters, now's not the time. The only Um, people the Vikes didn't fool are Frankie and Vinny. Yeah, I wasn't high on the Vikings. We were both out on them when the playoffs arrived. (laughs) I got to say, though, feels like a weight's been lifted off my chest. Now you can watch football. There's a, there's a lot of pressure every week, every game. Sweating each week just because I knew that the amount of confidence and faith that I put into this Buffalo Bills team has finally come to an end. 
Um, it, it hurts. I wanted to see Buffalo win the Super Bowl this year. I, I want to see Josh Allen win the Super Bowl. I hope it comes in his career. Um, it, it's it's heart wrenching. It really is. I mean, the listen, the Cincinnati Bengals, great team. They deserve it. I have nothing against Joe Burrow. I love Joe Burrow. But when I made that take preseason, it was something I had to ride and die with no matter what. I was I was sinking with the ship or we're sailing home free street, whatever you want to say, home sweet home. But now I do feel a little relieved. There is a weight lifted on. I could just enjoy the, you know, AFC and NFC championship games. But I am heartbroken. It was a it was a sad time. I I thought for sure you were gonna say something. You're gonna text me. Like the eyes at least. But yeah, that's all that's all I got to say, VP. If the Dolphins would have, I would have. Cause like the Dolphins, nice story. I picked them to make the playoffs. They did. Barely, but you know, I do like Tua. He's got to stop getting hurt. But like, you, they barely squeaked by Skylar Thompson, I think his name was. When you get to uh, Cincinnati, there's really no shame in losing the game. I know we're making fun of you a little bit, having a good time with this. But like, in my opinion, um, one of those two teams, one of those, listen, I told you in December, five teams. You disagreed with me on one of them. Now that team's a win away from the Super Bowl, and I'm thinking about picking them. But it was always from day one, in my opinion, this season. And I told you this so early on. Cincinnati, Buffalo, Kansas City, San Francisco, Philly. It was always one of those five. Said it on this show. Said it to you off camera. Now there's four of the five left. We'll see what happens there, but we'll get to the other games in a minute. But I don't think there's any shame in losing to the Bills or to the Bengals. I don't. It hurts. It hurts. And listen, they got manhandled. It wasn't even close. But the DeMar Hamlin thing spared you from realizing that this was your future reality three weeks ago. Now, I did think the Bengals were going to beat the Bills in that game. The, the DeMar why? Hamlin incident? Yeah, why, though? It just made the most sense. I don't know. I I like I had a feeling they were going to win that game, and then because they came out so good in that game, and it looked like they were going to dominate for the short amount of time that we saw, I thought this was the opportunity for the Bengal, or for the Bills to make adjustments and kind of like they saw their, their team was going downhill in that game. They were about to get blown the, the wheels off the wagon in that game. But – because of that, I thought, all right, now the Bills know what to expect. They kind of got a little taste of the appetizer, and now they can make some adjustments, and that just didn't happen. Let's go back in time. I think if you were to ask me around November, like let's say Thanksgiving of last year, 2021 season, name the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. I probably would have said in order, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady's the GOAT. I probably would put him fourth, fifth, sixth, even in his 40s. He'd be one six years ago, seven years ago. But Thanksgiving last year, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers proceeded to win his third MVP, or fourth MVP, second in a row. 
Mahomes and Allen were what they were going into the playoffs. Then Joe Burrow reaches the postseason. Bengals win a big playoff game for the first time in 30 years. They go all the way to the Super Bowl, and it takes a last-minute miracle for Matthew Stafford and the Rams to beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. They come into this year a little cold to start, but their three losses were by a combined eight points. You start to ask me, name the three best quarterbacks in the NFL by Halloween. I would have said Patrick Mahomes, Joe Bur- or Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. Let's get to December. Who are the three best quarterbacks in the NFL? My answer to that right now, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. Joe Burrow is the second best quarterback in the NFL. He's the second most impactful player in the NFL. And I will have no problem having him jump Mahomes if he beats him for the fourth straight time on Saturday, Sunday. Now, Mahomes has a bum ankle. You saw how effective Mahomes was with the ability to scramble on the first drive against Jacksonville. Then it wasn't the same from there once he hurt his ankle. He had to rely strictly on throwing the football. Um, Foster's in the chat begging for Hurts. Love Hurts. Going to be second in MVP. I would take the three guys I named ahead of him personally. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. Hurts has a chance to jump Allen next year. And Aaron Rodgers come back when MVP again, Tom Brady, you know, Lamar Jackson, all these great quarterbacks. But I don't know. Joe Burrow is that good. I'm not surprised that they are where they are again. I'm not that surprised either. I know I always knew they had a good team. They're talented, man. And I, I love Joe Burrow. I'm a big Joe Burrow fan. I have nothing against the Bengals at all. I'm happy to see him here. And honestly, out of the remaining teams, I want the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. So, go Joe Burrow. Yeah. I'll always be a little partial to Joe Burrow. Out of every quarterback I've named, I've only seen one live. And it wasn't even in the NFL. Saw LSU play Georgia. I bring that up a lot. Clearly, I freaking loved it. (laughs) You bring up things you like. That's one of my favorite things I've done. Um, I don't know. I just huge on that team and they're going to play the winner of this game the Chiefs against the Jags the Jags were a wonderful story 7-1 and one down the stretch I think we could fairly say Trevor Lawrence is getting himself into that discussion for the top 5, top 6, 7, 8 quarterbacks in the NFL probably going to be there soon I you can argue him as number 5 right now um, or at least going forward but the Chiefs got the narrow victory Patrick Mahomes at 80% is better than most people at 150%. Yeah, I kind of had a feeling he was going to make a return of the game too. I, I gained respect for him for the how he reacted of coming out of the game. He wanted to get back in there. He didn't even want to go get looked at and let um, – who's the backup? I forgot his name. Uh, Chad Henney. Chad Henney, yeah. Um, he didn't even want to give Henney the opportunity to throw a pass or get into the game, but I, I commend him for that. That's a – you know, it's somebody who loves to play football, and like you said, I, I would take Mahomes at 80% over most quarterbacks in the league. So um, we we got a game on our hands. The Chiefs are preparing like Mahomes is going to play. That's what Andy Reid said. So 
and even if he does play, I don't think it's going to necessarily be easy for the Bengals because we know how talented Patrick Mahomes is. So it's going to be a blockbuster of an, um, a match for sure. There's no doubt about it. I literally, the AFC championship game, it's the marquee game in my opinion. It has a chance to be the best football game of the season. I thought Bengals-Bills had a chance to be that. Bengals took advantage of some issues going on with Buffalo. They were injured, Buffalo, a little bit. They weren't at full strength like we've seen them, but I don't know. I just think this game has a chance to be something very, very special. We'll make our picks in a minute. Over in the NFC, the Fraud Conference has finally got the only two teams that aren't frauds left playing against each other. In my opinion, these are the two best teams in the NFC. And I, I think it's been clear that they're the two best teams in the NFC since about week eight. I know the Vikings fooled some people. I thought the Vikings would win their division. Never thought they'd win a single game beyond that. The Giants fooled me a little bit. I thought they might be able to sneak one I out. Of they, they were terrible. I learned my lesson against. I learned a lesson that I'll probably take with me for the rest of my life when picking football games. Don't let those types of teams fool you when they play the teams that are perceived to be significantly better. If you go down the list and take the top 10 players on either team, and if the list has nine players from one team (laughs) and one player from another (laughs) team, because I honestly believe that would be the case, if you took the Giants and the Eagles and put them in a pot and – named the top 10 players. The only giant that would be on that list is Saquon Barkley. Like nobody else on the giants would be. And I, I, that's going to be something that's in my head going forward. And I will use that to pick games going forward. I'm going to use that method. And that's why I think this matchup between the Eagles and the 49ers is so tough. Cause it's probably five and five on or six and four. Like it's close. Uh, and if one team has more talent, the 49ers, they don't have the better quarterback. Right. But, you know, Eagles versus Giants, we both got that one wrong. What do you think? There was not much to think. It was a boring game. It was stunk. <laughs> least it really viewed, wasn't even least worth viewed by over 10 million. Yeah, it wasn't even worth watching. It was so boring. Um, I I got to be honest. I don't I didn't really tune in much. It, it was like I would have rather Green Bay make the playoffs and at least have a close loss to the Eagles. It, yeah, I mean, it was just embarrassing i thought at least the giants would put up a little bit more of a fight and keep it within one score but i mean come on now that was like pitiful like it's a little embarrassing it's just there's a whole lot going on it was just absolutely disgraceful truly the 49ers beat them boys that was a good game that was a good game but the cowboys whenever the cowboys can they will. That's the Cowboys we all know and love. That's the Cowboys, <laughs> man. They make you think. And then you got the people who aren't from Dallas that are Dallas Cowboys fans, and they go, we them boys. <laughs> we beat Tampa Bay when they were 8-9 and nine on Monday night football. They stink. Get them out of here. Frauds. Cowboys. They literally won, like, their first road playoff game in, like, decades. And then you think they're going to do it two times in a row? Yeah. Come no on. Shot. I no mean, shot. we knew the Cowboys wouldn't win that game. At least I did. I hope nobody else was fooled. But I wasn't high up on the Cowboys as, as it is. And they're even worse on the road. So having to go on the road and play the 49ers, who I picked to go to the Super Bowl, come on. 
That's right. not going to happen. They got a good defense. And the way I knew that just playing the 49ers defense is different than playing the Bucks defense. And the 49ers got a better offense. And it just, it proved it. I mean, they didn't score a ton. They only scored 19 points. But damn, did they like really shut down Dallas's offense? I'm the only one that saw Dak Prescott for what he is since day one. A pe- How do you know that Dak Prescott in your top 10? I remember the tweets. <laughs> you could win with him. I believe you could win a Super Bowl with him. Just not on that. You can't rely on him. The, like, he would win a Super Bowl with the 49ers. Right? Like, I think he could go to the 49ers and win. Not as a $40 million franchise quarterback, though. Just that's not like he could. I don't know if he could go to Kansas City and win a Super Bowl because they rely on Patrick Mahomes to make plays with those weapons. They don't have Kyle Shanahan drawing up, you know, one of the greatest offenses ever with uh, Mr. Irrelevant. Right. You know, that's why I, I think he would thrive in Philly. Um, I just Dallas 40 million. That's not he, he's not. He has to be one of the guys, not the guy. Dak right. Prescott. I, I completely agree. I I think Dak Prescott's a fraud. Really, the whole team is. Ezekiel Elliott's a little overrated. I like Pollard more. Free agent. Free to go Big. wherever he wants. Yeah, I just that whole team's messed up right now, and Jerry Jones got to be livid. You know where I would go if I was Pollard? Bills. They need they, some run game. They need a running back more than anyone, and yeah, way too Josh Allen-centric. I would take Pollard on the Bills. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, you just got to not. Josh Allen can't be your whole offense. It's a quarterback league, but quarterbacks get better when defenses are worried that you might also run it. Mm -hmm. That's why Lamar Jackson is so effective. I do think Josh Allen is the best big man quarterback running game. Like, he's not like Josh Allen's built like a bull. So when he runs, he's not afraid to take a hit. And a lot of men his size aren't runners, but he's not afraid to take off. And when he does, he's hard to tackle. I think he's one of the best bigger men to run. Like Lamar Jackson's not as big as Josh Allen and BC. Right, and they all run. But like for Josh Allen to have that running game, that's like he's one of the best to do it at his size. There's a very easy comp. You got nothing? There's a what? Very a very easy, easy comp comparison. Oh, what? I mean, he played for, I think I see a couple. There might not be a sign in the view there. The Bears? No. What? The other team cheered for in that house of yours. No, he's not down here. Oh, he might be. He might be up there. Big Ben? Big Ben, man. Josh Allen and Big Ben are similar. There's no doubt. Um, Big dudes. Ben, ben would run anywhere. He was like a bull, too. I mean, freaking huge mother. He could have played the line. Um, I agree with Eric. Yes, I do too. I mean, but he's I'm talking he won an about MVP like, doing that. I'm saying like the the bigger guys who don't run. Yeah, the guys who don't take off, like who aren't built. Josh Allen isn't a quarterback built like Lamar or Justin Fields. They're not built to run. They're more passing. And but when Josh Allen takes off, he looks like he could be a Lamar. He's not as quick, and he doesn't move as agile, but He's not afraid to duck his head and just plow through, man. He's yeah. Crazy. I agree. He kind of he he annoyed me a little bit towards the end of the year. Like he got mad at everyone for hitting him. Like, dude, you're playing football. <laughs> like, relax. 
Um, hey, that's Mr. Gillette. Absolutely. So, Frank, make your pick. Eagles versus Giants. Eagles or versus, uh, 49ers. 49ers. I got to go. This is tough for me. Because it's hard. It's tough for it's me because hard. I'm going to go with the 49ers, right? But a little part of me is like we've talked about this before and they've mentioned it on the networks as a rookie quarterback has never led their team to the Super Bowl before. Is this going to be the first time? I know. Is this going to be the first time ever? I don't know. But there's a difference here. Brock Purdy is a different type of human being. He is Mr. Irrelevant. But you look at other – this isn't a backup like, say, if Taylor Heineke was a rookie coming in or, you know, Sam Howell on the commanders who came in a rookie and leading their team. This is a man who has proven he could play multiple games and he has won I don't know how many games in a row from dating from the regular season to two playoff games. I mean, it's not like this is a one-off or three-game off, or we've seen this consistently for seven games. Brock Purdy is a talented quarterback, and I think from what we've seen so far, he is not your average rookie quarterback. He is not a Sam Howell or some other rookie quarterbacks who have debuted in the league this year. He is different. He is the best rookie quarterback that has played this season, and I think if there is anybody to do it and lead their team to the Super Bowl, it is Brock Purdy. And since I went, I'm not going to take much stock in the Eagles beating the Giants. Wasn't really high up on the Giants. I thought the Giants can make it close, but by no means did I think they're going to you know, win the Super Bowl or make a run for it. So I'm not going to take much stock in that Eagles domination because I think doing a 38-7 to win like they did to the Giants, it's going to be a lot harder to do that to the 49ers, especially with a good defense. I love the way that he's been throwing the ball. I'm going to go with the 49ers in this game. I've never, ever, ever ragged my brain more on a pick in all my years watching football. This is the hardest game I've ever tried to pick. The 49ers and the Eagles. The 49ers have a slightly better roster. The best receiver on either team is an Eagle, A.J. Brown. Mm Mm-hmm. The best running back on either team is a 49er, Christian McCaffrey. The best offensive lineman on either team is probably Kelsey, the center. But the 49ers have a dude, too. I'm drawing a blank on his name. He hasn't given up a sack in his career. (laughs) I mean, mean, like, it's, (laughs) it's just unbelievable how even these things. Kelsey's on the Eagles. The 49ers have this guy. The best player on either team is Nick Bosa. He's the best overall player on either team. And he's on the 49ers. So, I mean, edge 49ers slightly on roster. But the Eagles have the quarterback. And the 49ers quarterback isn't just, like, slightly below the other guy. Like, it's not like it's a slightly worse court. It's not Jimmy G versus... Uh, Jalen Hurts. It's Brock Purdy, who hasn't looked all that good in the playoffs. He's an okay play. Like he's he's not a good play. Like Bro- Brock Purdy's getting a little overhyped, in my opinion. He's not going to start for them next year. It's going to be Jimmy G. If he wins the Super Bowl, you don't think he starts? He'll get, it'll be a competition in training camp. I don't think it's a lock that he's their quarterback next year. I think if he doesn't start, he's going to be a starter for a different team. Maybe Th- this is his chance. Like. Look what happened to Nick Foles after he won the Super Bowl. Sometimes you just go on a run with a good team. Like, 
and that's what's happening with Purdy. I hope I'm wrong, but like he was Mr. Irrelevant for a reason. He was one, he was one decision away from being undrafted at all. Like, I don't know. I just, ugh, I'm racking my brain over this. I don't know who's going to win. I, I picked San Francisco all along. I just haven't loved what I've seen from Purdy in the postseason at all. Uh, the 49ers squeaked by in a way because they're just a better team. But they're not that much better than Philly. Like they're, they have a better roster than Philly. There's no doubt in my mind. I'd pick them to cream the Eagles if they had a very good quarterback. But I don't think the roster is so much better that you can't go with the quarterback. I think I'm going to do it. They're not even getting the home three, the Eagles. I know, because the 49ers are good. I think Brock Purdy could be the real deal, man. I don't know what to do. I really do. I mean, the AFC is hard, too. And Mahomes' status plays into it. I think that makes it harder to pick, too, when we're four days away from the game, right? It's not like we're picking on Friday. Like, it's Wednesday. Today's the first day where injury reports are, like, legit. Oh, man, I don't know. I am going to pick Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers get it done. But I'm not confident. I am not confident. I think the Eagles very well could win. It's going to be I think it's going to be a wonderful game. I think I cannot wait for 2 p.m. on Sunday. Is it weird I think the 49ers may win by double digits? Yeah. Yeah. Cuz I don't think the Eagles are that good. I mean, Dude, <laughs> you can't go by the record. Oh no, I could go by the f- fact that they had a buy in the fucking NFL playoffs, and, and they beat the Giants. And they wow. killed them, though. They wow, they killed them. Congrats. They killed them. <laughs> I don't care if they won by eighty. Uh, you they should. Beat the Giants. You should. No, I don't think this is going to be close. Oh, I don't think. My God. I think it's either going to be close or the Eagles win. Wow. Yeah, like I think well, I'm, I'm the sticking opposite. with the 49ers just because I'm st- for both games. I'm sticking with my prediction going into the playoffs, but I have not liked what I've seen from Brock Purdy, and I have liked what I've seen from the Eagles with Jalen Hurts. They are they're the best team in the NFC. They just don't have the best roster. Like th- that doesn't make sense. The 49ers are a quarterback away from being the best team in the NFC. But the Eagles are in no way frauds. Like, they, you just can't call them frauds when they were the one seed and now they're in the championship game. And the only team that might beat them is the only other non-fraudulent team in the NFC. Yeah, they're not going to lose to the Vikings or to the Giants or to what other uh, the uh, Buccaneers, the Cowboys. Like To me, they got the bye. They took advantage of the bye by beating a team that's significantly worse than them. You beat Danny Dimes. Danny the Cowboys? Dimes. No, but they're they're just as bad because they would have been on the road. Would you have picked Tampa? No, the the NFC stinks. I do think the winner of the AFC is going to win the Super Bowl. I think you think the best team in the NFC is the Eagles, and I think the best team in the NFC is the 49ers, and now they go head to head. I don't think they're the best team in the. I think they're. It's like a tie. It's like a tie. Yeah, but I don't know what I'm saying. It's like a tie. 
I don't I think know. The best team in the NFC is the 49ers. And that's why I'm choosing the 49ers over the Eagles. I'd be stunned. Of course, the Eagles were going to beat them. The Eagles would have beat uh, Vikings, Danny Dimes, the Cowboys. I mean, they, what's their competition? The Giants won a playoff game. They're, they're not as pugilant as you make it seem. Maybe they were that bad because. And so the did the Eagles Cowboys, too. Good. They won a playoff game, too. Okay. And I wrote my tweet. I You saw my tweet about the Cowboys respecting them after that win? It was the best game of Dak Prescott's career. I and Listen, the NFC is significantly lower than the AFC. Like, significantly. I just... I don't know. I don't it's, know. It's hard. It's, I'm not, it's really hard. I'm not me. making the same mistake I did why overhyping the Giants, thinking they could get it done against the Eagles because they beat um, the Vikings and they look so good against the Vikings. I'm not making that same mistake because the Giants look so good against, or because the Eagles look so good against the Giants. I'm not going to make the mistake again and just assume because they won by 31 points that they're going to be able to beat a team on a much different caliber than the 49ers. I just can't see it. If the 49ers win by seven, that doesn't make the Eagles like fraudulent or bad. You lost by one score to the one team that might be better than you in your conference. Are they the second best team in the NFC? Probably by default. There's not much else competition. I I agree that it's by default. So yeah, I really have nothing to argue with there. But the 49ers were losing at halftime to the Seahawks. True. But then they really stepped up to the plate. I don't know. I think they're I We'll see. But to me, it's not like Brock Pur- Purdy's played in three games and he's just getting by the skin of his nuts. I mean, he's he, he's carried. Like, when Trey Lance and Garoppolo goes down and you're down to Mr. Irrelevant, you're like, uh-oh. And now we're talking about them still making it potentially to the Super Bowl. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Like, I, come on. I agree. And there's a reason no rookie quarterback has ever led their team to the Super Bowl. And now this kid's one win away from doing that. Yeah, including the elite ones. Yeah. But the 49ers, they put everybody in a good position. And that's what I'm scared of. But I'm taking the 49ers, but barely. I'll I take I'll take the 49ers. 34 to 28. 49ers. I'm gonna go with 28 17, 49ers. Okay. I like that score too. I won't lie. I like that score too. But if the Eagles win, it'll probably be something more along the lines of 28-21, I would think. Yeah. 30-24, to 24, something like that. That'd be a lot of points, though. I don't think it's going to be that high scoring. Yeah, I don't either, really. Uh, I think but I did say 34-28. Like I don't know. Or 21-17, Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know. I'm going 28-17, 49ers. And you said what? 34-28. That's fair. All right. Chiefs versus Bengals. I'm going to go with the Bengals. I will gladly take a 100% Joe Burrow over an 80% Patrick Mahomes. And this is another game I've been wavering on because, you know, 3-0 Burrow is against um, Patrick Mahomes in his career. Something's got to give. Mahomes is just too talented of a quarterback. And even when he's not 100%, it just has a feeling like, Maybe he's going to get it done because he's Patrick Mahomes, right? It's just, this is also the first time 
in Mahomes' career that he's a playoff underdog too, which is a little bit surprising. But when he's not 100%, you got to understand why. And it's it's very hard for me to pick against the Bengals with how good they've been playing. I mean, they went into Buffalo in those Buffalo-type conditions that the Bengals aren't used to playing in as bad as it gets in Buffalo, and, and they score 27 and only up 10. It's like I'd be kind of surprised – I, I actually can't even say I'd be surprised if the Chiefs win. I wouldn't be surprised either way, but I'm leaning towards the Bengals in this one. We agree. We agree. I wanted to pick the Chiefs. Um, I like the Chiefs. I'll probably be rooting for them, but I also root for Joe Burrow. So, like, really my thought is I'm rooting for the winner of this game to win the Super Bowl. Like, that's set in stone. I will be rooting for the AFC in the Super Bowl this year. I'll be betting on the Super on the AFC in the Super Bowl this year. Um, just Skyler agrees with both of us. I think Joe yep. Burrow gets it done. The Jacksonville Jaguars came close to getting it done against them, and they're not quite where the Bengals are yet. So exactly. now they have a whole game of Mahomes with the ankle, rolled ankle or high ankle sprain, whatever it is. I'm going with the Bengals. Uh, 31 to 20. I'm going exactly with Foster. I love that score at 28-24. I could see it coming down near the, like, one last drive by Patrick Mahomes potentially to either win the game and go up 31-28 or, you know, be stopped by the Cincinnati Bengals and the Bengals win 28-24. So we'll see. Um, I do think Bengals 49ers, that's my pick. And if that is the Super Bowl, what a good Super Bowl that would be. It really would be. Very much would look forward to that. Um, next week on bar down, we're going to recap the games, but not make our Super Bowl predictions. We're going to save that for the following week because there's two weeks in between. So next week we'll recap championship Sunday, but not preview the Super Bowl yet. Mm-hmm. So excited for all that. Of course, tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk, you could tune in and catch me interviewing twins, Ted. And then I believe we have a Cubs guest as well. So I'm very much looking forward to just talking some baseball tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk with everyone. Frank, is there anything else you have left to say on the National Football League? We're in for a treat this weekend. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. I cannot wait. <laughs> I mean. I'm really excited. I literally can't wait for championship. Championship wa- Sunday is better than. We should the watch the game together. Unless you're busy. I I have a fantasy football party. Oh, okay. But okay. we'll be watching the Super Bowl together. Yep. Um. Oh, I cannot wait for championships. It's like two Super Bowls. Yeah. It's like two games almost as important as the Super Bowl. It really is. So I think it's the best weekend of the year in football, at least. Um. I mean, Super Bowl, too. Super Bowl has the snacks and the commercials and the party and all that. Uh, I just happen to have a fantasy football party for the championship Sunday this year, but I cannot wait. going to be so much fun. Um, and I think uh, Frankie might touch on it a little bit in America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. <laughs> Welcome to Breaking Bets. So, 
we had a very good week last week. We uh, we went three and one. That definitely got the winning percentage up a little bit. We peaked above 50% again. Very, very good week. The only thing that screwed us were the freaking Giants and the seven and a half. Um, but ultimately, we're 0-2 on football in 2023 so far on breaking bets. You don't listen to me. But this week's different story. So I could start off with my football pick. Bengals and Chiefs. Love the Bengals minus one here at minus 108. Um, Burrow's three and over some Mahomes. Mahomes not 100%. It's all the stuff we touched on in the third period. This is the first time they're an underdog in a playoff game, but it's very hard not to choose the Chiefs at home as dogs. It's very hard. But it just seems there's also just too much value on the Bengals at only minus one as well. So I'm going to go lean Bengals minus one at minus 108. Maybe uh, by this time next week, we'll have our first breaking bets NFL win in the column. We'll see. As far as that goes, Hurricanes play the Dallas Stars tonight. Talk about a premier hockey game. That's going to be a good one. Vinny, I'm sure you're going to be tuned in a little bit. You're rooting for the Hurricanes to lose so the Devils can scoop right in and snag the number one in the Metropolitan Division. And I'm going to side with the Dallas Stars here. And I'm going to hope for your benefit. Hope the Dallas Stars win. Dallas money line is only minus 106. They're coming off a home loss against the Buffalo Sabres in a game they should have won. They were pretty decently favored in that game, but it just proved that the um, Buffalo Sabres were just too hot. They're just too hot right now, and they're able to take down the Dallas Stars at home. But I can't tell you the last time the Dallas Stars lost two in a row at home. I think this is a great spot to you know get back into winning ways. They've only lost five in regulation at home all season and four in overtime or a shootout. So I think this is a great opportunity to rebound. Obviously no patches out with the torn Achilles. Um, just seems like there's very good Dallas, uh, very good um, value on Dallas at home. Money line minus 106. My next play is my favorite play of the day. So watch it on the losing. But no, I have very good reasoning behind it. West Virginia plays Texas Tech in a Big 12 battle. West Virginia, 1-4 on the road, 1-6 in, in Big 12 play. Taking on Texas Tech, who is 8-3 at home, but they haven't won in the Big 12. They're 0-7 in the Big 12. That being said, Texas Tech comes in at 3.5-point favorites, but instead with dabbling with the points, just take Texas Tech money line at minus 175. I think they're finally going to get their first win in Big 12 play tonight against West Virginia. There's not a better chance to do it. They're home. They're 8-3 and three at home. They're playing West Virginia, who also has struggled in the Big 12, who's only 1-6 in conference play and 1-4 and on the road. They're not a very good road team. So if there was any better time to get your first conference win against the team, it is at home against another team who struggles in the conference. So I love Texas Tech Moneyline. That's my play of the day. Finally, I want to wrap up in the NBA because I've only given one NBA pick in 2023. And that was like a big part of 2022 is giving away NBA picks. Well, the Atlanta Hawks are playing the Oklahoma City Thunder. Hawks are terrible on the road. They're really bad on the road. I just sometimes I don't understand how it could be night and day when you play at home or on the road. But they've been playing the the Thunder have been playing well. They came in and they beat Denver Nuggets on the road. They beat the Brooklyn Nets on the road. They beat the Bulls on the road, which isn't too much to take away because the Bulls stink. But nonetheless, they have some big road wins under them. Now they come home against a struggling Hawks road team, and they're getting two and a half points at home. 
I love the way the Thunder are playing right now. I think taking the two points is great value. You could take the Thunder in two at minus 114. And I think they're going to get it done tonight at home and potentially win outright. But take, you know, the safer option and take the two points just to cover yourself if any late fish happens. But um, those are my four picks for you. So uh, hopefully that winning percentage next week will peak above 55. Obviously, if we have a winning week, I don't know if it necessarily get up to 60 unless we like swept the board, but we'll see. Just trending in the upward direction. That's what we like to hear. That is what we like to hear. That was some good stuff right there. I hope the Hurricanes lose. The Devils could be in first <laughs> place tonight. If the Devils are in first place tonight when my head hits the pillow, oh, yeah. Sign me up. I agree, VP. Go Dallas. Go Stars. Go Stars. Frank, what are you watching this weekend? Did Joey tell you that uh, Hell's Kitchen, my guys, my two guys were the last standing. Everybody else is toasted. Yeah. Wow. I did not. It was down to me and Joey, and two people went home, and they were both his guys, both his people, and – he was. He texted me saying the odds of that happening are like astronomical. Um, so I'll be watching Hell's Kitchen this week, which is on tomorrow. Um, you know what we got to watch, VP? Oh, I've been watching The Last of Us too. That's fantastic, fantastic show. I'll be watching The Last of Us. Uh, working uh, on season five of Thrones right now, and hope to have Thrones finished relatively soon. Um, but you know what we need to watch VP? We need to watch Wakanda forever before Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, uh, we got to get that done. That debuts on Disney plus on February 1st. So hopefully we could get that done within the next week and a half or so. But, um, just the AFC championship, NFC championship, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that's all I'm really watching this week. How about you? Football. Well, that's, yeah, we know that. I mean, what else? Like you're saying, you're going to watch the Devils. No shit. But... <laughs> Devils play twice. So, they play, listen to this. They play tomorrow against the Nashville Predators, then Friday against the Dallas Stars. And then I don't have the Devils for like seven days, eight days, because they have the bye after the All Star game. That's so. Rough. Two road games and then some off time from the Devils. VP um, needs a break, right, VP? Yeah. They need a break. I don't need a break. I just watch. Yeah, that's true. I mean, You're I write about it. I write a lot. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm covering a lot of teams right now. Exactly. We're, we're probably pushing 100 articles just from me this week, this month. So that's probably going to be my most ever in a month. Wow. So. How many? Like a hundred. Wow. Yeah. It's insane. It's like three or more a day. Yeah, and, it's ridiculous. You know, most most days are like five or six, and then the weekends slow things down a little bit. But gotta have a big finish to the month. So absolutely. Yeah, grinding, 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 grinding all the time. Awesome. Um, the That's devils. The devils make it easy right now, though. I mean, they're the they're the best team I cheer for, by far. And I never, I, I haven't said. When's the last time the Devils, out of the, out of the Bears, White Sox, Huskies, Devils, when's the last time the Devils were the best of those four? I mean, 
2012. Yeah. Because Could the Sox be. the Sox have a couple division championships in there or a couple playoff appearances. Um the Bears suck. They have one <laughs> playoff appearance with a division title. Uh and they fucking double doinked their way out. Uh the Huskies have a couple Mac titles. So that's probably yeah. the best team I cheer for over like the last 10 years. Uh-huh. Uh Tom, oh, I'm a champion with Tom. That's right. Tom. Tom. I ride and die with Tom. Uh, I have like a thousand championships with Tom, so that's nice. But the Devils are good. There's no doubt. Yeah, they it, are for sure. It's January 25th. I mean, there are good teams, bad teams, and bubble teams now. There's really not many more question marks. So I appreciate you adding Black and Teal and Puck Pros to that, though, because Puck Pros, I, I always write on Puck Pros whenever something I feel that's big happened. Mm-hmm. Like when Stamco scored his 500th, boom, on Puck Pros, wrote about it. Mm-hmm. I watched that sick, beautiful masterpiece of a game between the Flames and the Blue Jackets two nights ago. Wrote about that. Um, love it. Love it, love it, love it. How about you? App Trigger. App Trigger's been phenomenal. I wrote an article yesterday just because I, I normally don't write articles like this. Normally I'm covering some of the bigger stuff, right? Dead Space is coming out, and we got tons of great uh, – I've been I've been trying to find ways to write about, you know, um, Madden and incorporating what we've been seeing in the playoffs so far and stuff like that. But I wrote an article yesterday on this indie game developer who just released the one of the largest priced video games in steam history it's two thousand dollars the video game and it only has it only takes two hours to beat the whole game and it is um it doesn't look that good but uh, it was very intriguing so i wrote an article on that app trigger has been phenomenal um like i said right now that i've said this before this is some of the best time to get into gaming we're a month away from hogwarts legacy Comes out in February. If you have next generation consoles, if you're waiting to get it on the Xbox uh, One or the PS4, you're gonna have to wait till April and switch. You'll have to wait till June. But if you have next gen, which we're gonna have to stop calling next gen next gen and start calling it current gen because it's been around for three years. But um, if you have a Xbox One or PlayStation Five, you could or Xbox Series X or S, PlayStation Five, you could get that on that uh, in February. So that should be interesting. This is some of the best time to be a gamer. A lot of good games that came out in 2022. A lot of good games are going to come out in 2023. I know, Vin, you're going to be probably get Tears of the Kingdom, Legend of Zelda. So lots to look forward to. And uh, if you want to read more on any of the stuff I mentioned, you can check me out at apptrigger.com to read uh, all my great articles. So. Can't wait for Hogwarts. Can't wait for Zelda. Let's go. Yep. Got it. Hell yeah. You're ready. Oh, You're I'm ready. primed and ready to go. You think you'll yeah. get it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. 100%. Can't wait. Uh, make sure you read all Frankie's shit at apptrigger.com. Make sure you read all my shit at one of the five sites. I'm not naming them all right now. Go to at Vinny Parisi on Twitter to find them. Uh, go to at the King Bean on Twitter to find him. I hope you enjoy watching all of the great shows here at the Barroom Network this week and weekend. Got Championship Sunday coming up. So Bear Their Souls aired Monday. Great episode. Watched a little bit of the beginning of it yesterday. Mike North, um, Science Fiction. The Bulls guys are going. Tomorrow's Crosstown Crosstalk. Big big two-guest Crosstown Crosstalk tomorrow. And Should be a good uh, 
time, VP. Yeah, we'll be getting ready. We'll be right back here next week going over what's going on in the NHL and recapping what happened on Championship Sunday. Oh, yeah, can't wait. So very much looking forward to that. I hope everybody has a safe weekend. If you live in the Midwest right now, chances are you can look out your window and see plenty of white stuff falling from the sky. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay hockey. As always, thank you for listening.